This week on Show Me Your News, Tokyo Game Show, Pokemon Black and White characters, and Halo Reach are discussed. Also, a potential 3DS release date, a court ruling regarding pre-owned games, cutscene solos movies, and much more. Also, we get into It's Your Turn from the Debaga, centering around Disney's Epic Mickey. Hey, gaming world, I implore you to... Show Me Your News! And now, coming through your speakers and into your ears, it's the gaming podcast that you all know and love. It's Show Me Your News! Welcome to Show Me Your News, the pinnacle for delivering and debating the gaming news that matters the most to you. Rumory, gossip, hardware blunders, or upcoming releases, if it relates to video games, we want to talk about it. I am Yoko. And I am the Buzzsaw. On today's show, our top stories are Pokemon Black and White had a release in Japan, the 3DS has a rumored release date. Uh, there's a court ruling regarding pre-owned games. We talked about used games uh, last time on the show. Cutscenes might be sold as movies in the near future, according to one company. Uh, and the Eco Collection is now confirmed. Out recently, we're going to talk some Kingdom Hearts, Birth by Sleep, and Halo Reach. And the big one today is the Tokyo Game Show. Um, and and then we got mail time to wrap up the show. Um, Buzz, why don't you introduce today's guest for us? Today's guest is... Bum, bada, bum. Cyberlink 420. Say hello, Cyberlink. Wow, I get fanfare and everything. That's that's real fancy. Precisely. Yes. You are like one of the de facto members of the show. Uh, I'm touched, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got you and Darkrai started the community, if I remember correctly. So yeah, more or less. <laughs> and then you took over and forced us out of a job, and now our site is gone. And you corporate well, that, overlord. I'll I know, never that's forgive what I do. you for this. I, I do whatever I can to make it so robots can replace humans in every job possible. So. Yeah, well, I for one welcome our robot overlords with open arms and free gas for everybody. Yay. Exactly. Uh, we got to also make a quick mention that we are being attacked, or Zubats are actually attacking uh, Buzz's mic today. So, yes. ooh. Just like that, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> oh, Speak of the devil. <laughs> I keep Sorry. trying to chase them off with a stick, but they keep coming back. We're like at Mount Moon, and we're being ambushed. And so, if you he- we don't know what's causing it, but if you hear any sort of uh sort of sounds, that's what it we- it's probably on S sounds. That's what we kind of deduced, but I'm not sure how to fix it. Anyway, but this I- is what we get for not packing extra repels. Yeah, I, I think we need that need at least max repels to to get through it. Um, and also today is yar. It is be talk like a pirate day, mateys. Shiver me timbers, avast ye, and all that. Indeed. I have a peg leg. I have Arr, a... It's me, Guybrush Threeport, Mighty Pirate. Heck yeah. Speaking of which, if you guys don't own any of the Monkey Island games, shame on you. Go buy them all right yes. now. Tales of Monkey Island is on sale for $5. Five games, $5. You would be a fool not to take advantage of it. Yeah. I mean, it, does, it doesn't even matter if you're, you're not a fan. Buy it and like show it to your friends and let them play even if you hate it. His name is Guybrush Threepwood. Yes. How correct. can you not? 
Um, yes, yeah, so let's, oh, before we get into the what are you playing section, uh, we've been uh, hyping up that Cyberlink and I, we have a announcement uh, today to announce. It, yes, it's, we do. I wouldn't say it's huge for the podcast, but like, it's a start. You know, we're, we're trying to make a, a comeback trail, if you will, and uh, Cyberlink, you're more um, accustomed to the setting we'll be uh, having this announcement in, so feel free. Well, yes. In fact, Show Me Your News is going to be having a live episode at this year's Yomacon, the week of weekend of October 28th, I believe. We're tentatively set for October 28th, which is Thursday night, which is, for anybody who's in the area of Yomacon, in the Detroit area, that is the one night that is free to anybody. You don't need a pass. You don't need anything like that. You can just show up and... Uh, we're gonna be. It's gonna be me, Yoko, and Sorty. We're gonna be doing a live show there, and uh, if you're a Show Me Your News fan in the area, then please stop by, say hello. We'll sign autographs. We'll chat with you. We'll talk about podcasting, whatever. Talk about gaming, anything. Uh, the main idea is that you know it's under the pretenses of you know Show Me Your News, uh, gaming, podcasting, and you. And so. I can't guarantee that we'll have a live stream for it, but we'll definitely record it and um, maybe we'll probably even do a video recording of it, to be honest. Oh, I'll almost certainly do a video recording. Yeah. I'm planning to bring my camera anyway, so I'll make sure to record that and put it up for all the listeners to see. Mm-hmm. But that is uh, for those that in the metro Detroit area that want to come out. It's free. It's going to be on the uh, free night of the anime convention on Thursday night, most likely. We don't know what time yet. We'll let you know when we do. But... Um, it, it's free. Come on out on Thursday night, and yeah, and then and then stay for the the actual convention if you can. Totally. Um, but yeah, that's that's exciting. It, I don't expect a lot of people there. You've been there to the convention on Thursday nights, right? I have. Okay. How busy does it usually get? Because when I went with uh with Sword Hunter last year, we only went on uh, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, and yeah, it was it was pretty busy then, but. I would imagine that like most people just go for those days, and so I won't expect a, a big crowd out for uh, for Thursday night. Oh, well, there's usually uh, well, there's usually a big crowd on Thursday just for people lining up to uh, get their pre-reg stuff. Mm-hmm. But uh, the Thursday panels do decently well. Like I had a couple of friends of mine run an Evangelion panel last year on uh, Thursday night, and we got a pretty good turnout, probably like twenty, thirty people. So I would I'd be say, I would be amazed by that kind of turnout to be honest. Yeah, I I'd say we've got a decent chance of pulling in a good crowd. Okay. All right. I mean it, it's gaming, so exactly. if, if people like video games, they should definitely come out. Um so we wanted to get that out of the way and say we're we're excited about that and we'll have to do some planning for it. Very much so. Uh so what are you playing the buzzsaw? The Buzzsaw is playing several things these days. Um, the most common game I'm playing is Bejeweled 2 Deluxe. So you're hitting <laughs> yes, up the, the casual The very game. same Bejeweled you, you've probably all played. It's one of those games that ironically fits into your schedule no matter when you want to play it. You know, you can play it for five minutes or you can play it for two hours. It doesn't really matter. So because I've started school back up, that's kind of been my game <laughs> recently. But... Um, I haven't played other games. I got my hands on Metroid Other M. I am playing through that game right now, so I'll let you know my thoughts when I reach the end, uh-huh. if I reach the end. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> you already told me that you're not crazy about it. 
I'm not crazy about the control. I mean, I, I, I like it because it's Metroid, and I'm giving it a chance. But I, I'm just not a. I'm, I'm a Metroid Prime addict, and so I'm biased. And you know, it's hard to make the hard. transition. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And so we'll, I'll let you know my thoughts at a later time. But other than that, I'm actually back into playing Borderlands um, with the announcement of the new DLC and the new, and particularly the new patch. The DLC is cool and all, but the patch gives you eight more levels to level up. So I'm all excited again, and I'm going out and finding new loot and upgrading my character. And and uh, my wife Sugar Poultry is doing the same. We're doing land games and getting the equipment all cleaned oh. out for for when the DLC comes out. So a lot of Borderlands, a lot of Bejeweled, and a lot of Metroid. But other than that, homework. Yay! Yes, Yay. cool. And a lot of Zubats at- attacking. We apologize. Yay, Zubats! Yay, Zubats! <laughs> um, but yeah, so you're doing Bejeweled. I haven't played that much Bejeweled, but uh, I'm sure, like it's you know definitely catchy. It beats Solitaire. Nothing against Solitaire, yeah. but like Solitaire is the cliche game for when you just want to kill time between homework. Yeah, well, and one cool thing about it is I, I do play by myself sometimes. But um, actually, Sugar Poultry and I will we started a game together like uh, I don't know how long, like three or four days ago. Mm-hmm. And what we do is every night before bed we play it and we make progress on it. And right now we're like over four hundred thousand points, and we play the game every night, and we're Gonna try and get it higher and higher until we're stuck. So, hmm. well, actually, Buzz, kind of if you like Bejeweled, I would highly recommend you try out Puzzle Quest because it's Bejeweled but with RPG elements, which automatically makes it better. Well, I already have Gyromancer. I don't know if you played that one. I have not. It's made by the same people, same same jewels and everything. It's actually a uh, how do I say it? Kind of an adaptation of Bejeweled Twist. Like similar rules, but adds RPG elements, and there's like death gems that appear on the board, and you have to get rid of them. And there's like power yeah. gems you want to get, and that kind of thing. Yeah. So Gyromancer sounds like what you're describing, but yours is probably a little different. But it's a little different, but it's very similar. I had a ton of fun when I was playing uh, the original Puzzle Quest, and uh, I think that anybody who's into that genre should really give it a try. Mm-hmm. And uh, how far are you in other M? Are in other? Ah, excuse me. How far in other M are you? Oh, I don't even know. I've played for like I mean, I, two hours or something like that. So, and I'm just kind of still getting used to it. So I'm not very far in. For- I don't. I don't remember what just happened. To be honest, it was like a week ago that I played. So. For it, forest, ice, or fire? <laughs> uh, I don't know. I'm still. No, I had to go load my game. I honestly don't remember where I'm at. I I played for a while and then just kind of stopped. So. Just admit it. You tried to wipe your memory because you hated it so much. Yes. <laughs> That's exactly what happened. I'm trying to shun that game. Uh, Cyberlink, what are, what are you playing? Uh, like Buzz, I'm playing a lot of stuff. Like I got that uh, Telltale Adventure Bundle thing, so that's like 16 games for 20 bucks. And oh, yeah. I have not even co- I have not even come close to getting through all of those. King's Quest I alone did, will probably take I, me forever. I, I, I will throw that in since you mentioned it. Um, I did purchase and work through Monkey Island Two. So oh, very nice. Yes, the uh, special edition or yeah, special. I mean, I owned all of them before. I had all the originals, but um, I've been rebuying the remakes because they're they're so worth it. So yeah, they're very good. But uh, there's two games in particular I'm playing. One is for the handhelds, Professor Layton and the Unwound Future. This is the uh, third game of the Professor Layton series. And if you've played the first two, you more or less know what you're getting with the third one. Like, the puzzles are still all there. They're still just as tough as ever. But I actually felt like I was more invested with the plot in this one than 
in the first two. There's a lot more backstory. There's a lot more character interaction. And I would, I would say that even if you haven't played the first two, then there's definitely nothing wrong with you picking up the third. There's really not a whole lot story-wise that you need to know about the first two to enjoy it. So if you get the chance, I'd recommend picking that up. Hmm. But uh, the one that I'm most interested in talking about is a little indie game called And Yet It Moves. Uh, it's a game for WiiWare. I was very lucky to have won a contest IGN put out, and they sent me a free code for it. Nice. But it's, I believe, the first game by the developer, Broken Rules. And it's this bizarre sort of 2D platformer where you've got like this guy on a, this paper guy on like a cutout world, but instead he's very fragile. Just about anything will kill him in one hit. He can't drop far. So what you need to do is you can actually rotate the world using your Wii remote and you have to sort of rotate it to get him to safety, alter the uh, world around you, and stuff will shift based on the way you turn the world, like branches will lean downwards or rocks that weren't visible before might suddenly appear. It's just a very, very well-done concept and very challenging. It's not... It's not for uh, casual gamers at all. It's mercilessly hard near the end. So I highly recommend it to anyone who just has sort of roots in that old sort of Nintendo hard legacy but wants to try out something different. All right. What was Mario doing during your WiiWare download screen? Uh, I think for that one, he was. it was just small Mario running. I oh, have not, I've not seen swimming Mario in probably yeah. 20 downloads. I was just going to mention, I, when I downloaded Phoenix Fright, I saw the, the swimming Mario for the first time. I was like, what the heck? <laughs> yeah, he does not show up much. Yeah, I see uh, the Fireball one a lot more. Yeah, I've seen that one. I've, I've only seen you know jumping and getting the coins. But then again, it's been a while since I've actually downloaded stuff from the Nintendo store. So, yeah. Um, but no, you've been recommending good games. You, have, you had Toonstruck last week during the It's Your Turn. Yep. And uh, now you've got, um, and yet, and yet it moves. And yet it moves. Yes. And yet it moves. It's a bizarre yes, it's title, a... but uh, I definitely had to give it a try. That's not as bizarre as V V V V V V or whatever it is. V V V V V. There's a game that's literally titled just V V V V V V, but the letter six times <laughs> or something. It's on Steam, and I was like, nice. what on earth? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you pronounce it VVV or if you pronounce it VVV. Yes. I'm, I'm sure it's open to interpretation. De- yeah. Definitely <laughs> I think it's just kind of funny because you run out of title ideas. People start to get more unique with them. <laughs> I'm going to make a game. It's going to be called ABCDEFG. I'm, I'm going to make the sequel to And Yet It Moves and call it No, It Doesn't. <laughs> it is in quicksand. <laughs> um, so, I totally play A B C D of G. Yeah. <laughs> this, uh, fills it in the stick cam. Yeah. Um, so I am playing a game that is, you know, it's. How can I say? A, a lot of you know some some podcast fans enjoy it. It's called Persona Three. Um, if you haven't heard of it, it's for the PlayStation Two, but it just recently came out the portable version for the the PlayStation Portable. It would give you an excuse to 
actually maybe get a PSP, but still don't get well, a PSP. Well, that and the other game we're going to be talking about later, but we'll get to that then. Right, right. But but still don't get a PSP. Um, but Persona 3, basically the idea is you are a high school student who just transferred to a new school. I did talk about it last week. So I kind of gave a basic premise last week where you're basically going between school and uh, you're, you're fighting demons during the dark hour, which is this time after midnight where people become corpses, but if you have the potential, you can fight demons. So last week what I said was, I said, you know, the, t- the, uh, the tutorial takes so long that you just, you know, you start like the first hour and you're still learning new stuff and you can't really get into the game. Well, I actually gave it another try and I got into the game and I kid you not, when you don't have school and, you know, the job market is tough, I spent... 45 hours these past two weeks playing Persona 3, and I'm, I'm kind of close to the end. For those that are aware of the story point, I was just uh, presented with the the ultimatum at the beginning of December, and on New Year's Eve is when I have to make the, uh, the ultimate decision. I'm, I'm going to leave it pretty vague. But, you know, I, I talked about it on uh, the Show Me Your News blog at showmeyournews.com, and how I think I'm only I'm I'm mostly enjoying it because you know when you don't have to go to school like part of you even if you don't like school part of you when you've you know gone to 16 years of school through college and all that part of you still wants to go to school it's an inherent thing you're in September why am I not going to school so I think this this game and you know the addicting uh storyline the characters and how you can develop those social links and I think for someone who I would highly recommend the game to if you if you've been a person who hasn't really played a JRPG outside of Pokemon because Pokemon's technically a JRPG like I have I would absolutely give it a try um a warning though the game is so Japanese um, It sounds like you're describing Inuyasha I, Really kind of Have you seen have you seen Inuyasha I, I mean, saw I saw the pilot The very thing you described of you know in this, in Inuyasha's case, the girl goes to high school by day and destroys demons by night, <laughs> kind of thing. Well, except I'm playing as a dude. That's a difference. Um, yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny. You say 45 hours in, you're just getting to the end. You've, pr- if my guess is correct, based on what I know of Persona, you've probably got like 20 or 30 hours of side quests that haven't been done yet. Oh, oh, I'm sure. I, I haven't been really doing. See, like, some of the social links I just haven't really done. I haven't done, like, the Hanged Man with the little girl. I haven't done Tanaka, the devil. I haven't been able to do the Sun social links. So some of them I haven't done. I've been mostly just going after the girls, let's be honest. Like, I've yeah. I've, fu- I've fully made the social links with Chihiro, Yuko, uh, Yukari, and now I finally just was able to start uh, Mitsuru's social links, so... That'll be my ultimate conquest. And, um... But no, it, the game is so Japanese. Like, not only do you, like, go to high school, and a lot of the lectures are, you know, Japanese subjects in nature, but you have a lot of, you know, senpais, and sans, and kuns, and chans, and, um, just some of the humor is very Japanese. I, I wish I could just explain, like, all the things. That, but, like, if if you like that sort of anime style to a game that definitely has a lot of that too um it's it's addicting what can i say and that's probably not the best thing for me to be playing right now also uh brother and i just finished up the halo reach campaign today so we'll talk a little bit about that when we uh talk about the games that are out recently 
So yeah, um, in the headlines today uh, for this these past couple weeks, Pokemon Black and White just came out officially yesterday in Japan, and so I know Buzz, this is not your area of expertise. This is the most racist Pokemon release to date. I know you got Fifty Cent and Eminem. <laughs> We, we will <laughs> have to. Much. We will have to make that deal. Like when when I play Borderlands, you should play Pokemon. When, well, when you play Borderlands, I'm going to be online playing with you. <laughs> aside from that, yeah, I'll have to dive into Pokemon definitely. I was going to say you're not playing Borderlands until me and Dark finally get you to play Banjo Kazooie. I started. Oh, you remember I started Banjo Kazooie? I just did you? I, I, I don't start, think I was there for that. I started Banjo. I did like all the the tutorial stuff and. I don't know I, if I can play a game named after a redneck instrument. I'm sorry. Banjo-Kazooie. My goodness. So back to Pokemon. Um, yes. So, I, what can I say about this game? It's basically like a reboot of the entire Pokemon series in a way. They're you know not bringing back any of the you know characters from the previous four generations until... You're at the end of the game where the whole world opens up to you. They're, I think they're really trying to th- find that new audience. Wouldn't you, wouldn't you agree, Cyberlink? I would most definitely agree. And I'd see a lot of the uh, character designs seem to be, at least from what I can see, very sort of derived from previous sort of character archetypes. Like, I can easily tell what's a legendary, what's like one of the legendary dogs. The starters are very sort of... Uh, similar in a lot of ways to their predecessors, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I look at a lot of these character designs and they just don't jump out to me. Like a lot of them seem sort of very I don't know what it is, but something's off about them. I just can't like they don't resonate with me. Like I still laugh at the fact that there's an ice cream cone shaped Pokemon. Yep, yep. But I don't know. It's just something about the overall design of these characters that just strike me as like very derivative, very unoriginal. They don't sort of jump out at me like, say, the first two generations did, or even a lot of the third and fourth generation. I would agree with that. Um, you know, with the games coming out, people have been able to hack the sprites, and so a couple of days ago, we were able to see all the different designs. And um, honestly, I'm not crazy about it. Um, I do like some of the designs. I think the, uh, and I wish I could see part of the problem is that like, this is the first time, you know, the being the big poke fan I am and all that. This is the first time that I've actually followed a release in Japan first before America, like, you know, being so involved in the internet and whatever, like I'm, I'm tracking all this news. And part of the problem is like, you see all these Japanese names come out and I'm a little worried that, I don't want to learn them too much because when the translation, the localization comes out in about six months in March, I don't want to still be calling, you know, the starters Sutarja, Pokebu, and Mijumaru. And it doesn't matter. No matter what Nintendo of America names them, Smugleaf will always be Smugleaf. Smugleaf will always be Smugleaf, absolutely. Um, but let's see. I- I- I'm not crazy about the Monkey Trio. Um, I wish I could... They did something more unique with the you know the three legendaries that look like they're sitting on a cloud, yeah. and with their arms crossed. Like, do something more than just a little different cloud design and a recoloring, please. Um, I like I like most of the ice uh, types designs except for the ice cream cone, 
Man, that ice cream cone is weird. The alligator is pretty cool. Something I noticed was that like a lot of the uh, the releases uh, that you know they released you know the different types and kinds um, early, like you know, you know Monkey Punchy. Uh, Monkey Punchy is the name for Hihi Daruma, which is the the monkey sort of thing. He was on two paws with the fire coming out of his eyebrows. Like a lot of those, I I, found I like that, it better when it was Infernape. Yeah. Yeah, that's a true. And that could also be monkey punchy. <laughs> um, but a lot of those I found to be that, you know, they were evolved forms. Um, like the the towering black psychic Pokemon and the same with like the green one with the... Oh, gosh. Yeah, the two psychic types that are, you know, stage two evolutions. Um, I, I think that, you know, there are some interesting ones, interesting designs, absolutely. But I think it's going to take time to get used to them it feels a lot like generation three to yeah. be honest as far as uh character designs though um you know, it's, fu- it's funny maybe it's just me but it seems to me like there's a lot more pokemon this that stop at generation uh, two evolution instead of going on to uh third stage right 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 i mean i i still say stage two because that's like deep ingrained in my head through the trading cards because you got the basic stage one and stage two but yeah, the the third evolutions. Um, it, let's let's talk about the types real quick. I'm more dragon types, which is interesting. You have some weird uh, blends, like you've got the uh, electric bug type. You've got some water ghosts. There's a lot of bug types. Oh yeah, and a lot of ghosts too. Um, I, I would make quick mention that the uh, the meta game for competitive play is going to be really messed up. Uh, once this hits, you know, the United States, because there are some stats that are out there. And, um, yeah, so we're going to see some different changes in, uh, Ubers and all that. Uh, what else? What else? What else? Um, like another example of that, like the, uh, the bird fossil type, it looks like he's, you know, multicolored, not like a Quetzalcoatl, but he's one of the fossil types. He's got like a ridiculously high attack stat ridiculously high and uh let's see looks like a beautiful joe in there that evolves into proto man it's like a dark steel type and of course i'm looking at all these uh these sprites separate from the names because this needs to be mentioned cerebi.net and pokebeach.com are the two type two top uh pokemon fan sites uh out there on the whole wide internet and so i need to read a, a quick I'm trying to read a quick letter that Poke Beach got, and same with Cerebi. And uh, I, I want to know, I mean, Buzz can even jump in here, because it involves legal issues on games. Uh, urgent time, urgent and time-sensitive. Immediate attention required, September 18, 2010. Registered at regarding the infringement of Nintendo of America, Inc.'s intellectual property rights. Dear Sir or Madam, we are legal counsel to Nintendo of America, Inc., as, no, as you're no doubt well aware, Nintendo is one of the world's leading uh, developers and distributors of video game products. The Pokemon franchise is one of Nintendo's most popular game series, and the upcoming release of Pokemon Black and White uh, video games have garnered significant media attention. The intellectual property associated with the games, including the copyright and the underlying software code, visual depictions of the games, and characters found within the games is subject of copyright protection in the United States and abroad. We recently learned that you have posted screenshots and other protected content from Pokemon Black and White. 
uh, to your website at blah blah blah. While Nintendo appreciates your interest and in, in and support of the Pokemon games, your publication of this content infringes Nintendo's copyright in violation of federal law. Your activity also has the potential to cause substantial damage to Nintendo and leaves Nintendo with no choice but to take steps to protect intellectual property rights. We have accordingly submitted a copyright infringement notice to your domain registrar under the DMCA, Digital Millennium Copyright Act, and anticipate that your website will be taken down shortly. We encourage you to immediately remove your website of all graphics, screenshots, and other protected content taken from Pokemon Black and White. Going forward, you must also refrain from posting any screenshots, videos, or other content that infringes Nintendo's rights in the Pokemon series or game. And then they do, like, you know, you must it must be 24 yeah. hours and all that. The games are out in Japan. They ha- bought copies. They posted screenshots of, you know, the cartridge, what came in the box. The game is out in Japan. It's fair use. Well, the, really, Nintendo has no say in this issue. Like, if you, if you back up just a second, just because a big company claims something doesn't make it true. Just to give you a really quick, quick example, mm-hmm. um, when the Dreamcast was out, they tried to put on their, on their game cartridges and everything not for, available for resale or something along those lines. They basically tried to just say, you can't sell these in the secondhand market. And then people started selling them. They took those people to court, and those people won. The judge basically said, just because you say it doesn't make it law. Like, you, the law doesn't agree with you just because you say it. You, you, have to do some, you have to say something that coincides with the law to begin with. And there's no law that protects uh, banning of secondhand sales. So, you know, fast forward to this issue here. Nintendo does not have to say. And like you just said, the game's out legally in Japan. It is legal under fair use law to post those things. And... It's it's weird that Nintendo even cares. I mean, if they would just take one second, do a YouTube search for Smash videos, I mean, that's rampant infringement up and down their, their intellectual property, but they don't care because it's an old game. Mm-hmm. So what it comes down to is they're just they're making a bully move, and there'll be, you know, any, any website that, that's a victim of this, they really don't have a choice because, unfortunately, the law kind of favors the big companies in right, terms of they have right. you know legal firepower they have money they have all this stuff so, you know even though they don't have the legal backing to make these claims well Cerebri and other sites don't have the legal backing to combat those claims mm-hmm. so but as far as the law is concerned they did not break any laws you can post that stuff i mean they're not posting the I mean, as, long, as far as i know they're not po- posting roms or anything illegal right, right. they're just posting what pictures and, and stuff from it yeah, so it doesn't matter they all that fine print you read, that's all well and good for Nintendo, but they don't understand copyright. They don't understand what copyright's for and what it's th- there to do. Mm-hmm. You know, Cerebi didn't say, hey, we're releasing a Pokemon game under our own brand name, and this is the content, and we're stealing it from Nintendo. Like, they didn't do any of that. They said, this is Nintendo's game. Here's some pictures from it. I, I mean, but, they're technically you know. posting, like, spoilers of, you know, what happens. Wouldn't you think that would almost be more, quote-unquote, damaging than... And then, and then screenshots would be. It's yep. it's absolutely absurd. Cyberlink. I, I know we we. I don't know if you have any other differing opinions there. No, I'm pretty much in line with what you guys are saying. Like it just seems like really sort of a stupid move on Nintendo's part. I mean, they're basically getting free advertising from this, and people would have found out some way anyway. Like there's tons of people who obviously are going to import the game from Japan and probably end up recording videos themselves so this information was bound to get out you can't have a product on the market and expect people to keep quiet about it well, but you, at, a, at a fundamental level you can't control information it's just that i mean that that's communist thinking right there of where you know we need to, we need to 
suppressed thoughts and suppressed ideas and suppress the, the sharing of information, you know, that's they they need to learn that once a game's out, it's out. You know, give it up. We, and we, we need to a, suppress a, the Zubats. Yes. Oh yes. You Are know, they back? I'm sure. Biting? I'm yeah, sure that biting. once the game comes out in America, Cerebi will probably put up new pictures, and Nintendo won't give a crap. Like, yeah. I'm sure this is like all part of the reason they want it down is because they want to be able to like market the game themselves, like maybe do reveals or something. I don't know. But well, I'm sure. What I'm sure. Like what? Yeah. What? 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 What's the problem here? That's what I want to ask Nintendo: is what? Yeah. What damage is occurring? Like, really? You really think this is a problem? Like, you know, these are fans celebrating the game. You know, it very well might be because, like we were talking about earlier, not a lot of people are crazy about like some of the new designs and some of the new Pokemon. I bet that if it was like universally accepted if like the new designs were universally accepted everybody loved them then i doubt that this would be as big of an issue on nintendo's radar because they're getting free positive publicity but like because part of the since people are being very iffy about the direction that they've taken with a lot of the new character designs and are being very skeptical they probably just don't want any of that and they're trying to sort of cover it up Mm mm-hmm I mean, again, it would make a lot of sense for Nintendo to do if the game wasn't out in Japan, but it's Nintendo of America when... <laughs> Come on, Reggie. Reggie, you are in control. Kick some ass and take control of what is right. Nintendo, you're making yeah, too much money already. I'm sorry. This is what happens when you have a hired team of lawyers and you have a slow month. <laughs> yes. <laughs> they, yes. They scour the internet and, oh, look, screenshots. Oh, let's start suing these people. Mm-hmm. It's very bizarre. Anyway, a couple more quick things regarding uh, black and white. The uh, the ROM was, of course, released online for you know different websites you know to use. I have not given it a try yet. Um, I'm mostly waiting for an English battle patch because I can't read Japanese that well. But uh, it was interesting to note that people who were giving it a try, Game Freak apparently put a anti-piracy kind of code in the game where people originally were not able to gain experience. With the ROM, yep. and, and of course, That's you know it was really recently, uh, you know, patched you know, soon after by uh, you know pirates who yar by pirates who realized the code and <laughs> then they made the changes yar in the matey and but um that, that's becoming a more common technique. I don't mm-hmm. know if you, any of you remember the uh, the Batman incident. The in the Batman game, they made it so there was like this particular pit that you have to glide across, and they took away your gliding ability at that pit. So pirates would come flooding the forums and be like, how come I can't jump across? How do you beat this part of the game? And they'd be like, oh, you're a pirate because you can't jump across that hole. And Boy, the yeah, kill me. Yeah. <laughs> Publishers are doing that more and more. And that's, that's funny that it showed up here. That <laughs> they just say, make it so if you're pirating it, you don't, like, the player doesn't know it at first. But, yeah, things are, the game's a little different than the non-pirated one. Nice. But yeah, that that was an interesting little uh, tidbit. And then also, I found the soundtrack to Pokemon Black and White. And I don't know if you guys can like, you know, listen to the tracks on YouTube or whatever. I'm personally not a fan of the soundtrack this time around. There are some interesting tidbits. Like there is a uh, version of the Kanto um, champion theme. When that That's pretty interesting. There's no really word on if Gary slash Blue appears yet, but I- I'm just really not a fan of the uh, the instrument set. I think it feels like a mix between uh, Generation 3's and uh, Generation 4's instrument set, and that feels like a step back to me. 
Um, there are some interesting tracks, but I I'm not a fan so far of the soundtrack. I mean, of course, they're going to have, you know, catchy tidbits and all that, but when it's, you know, the instrument set that you're tampering with, it's it could be better. Fair enough. Um, but yeah, let's let's move on so actually Buzz can feel like he can talk about this stuff again. Yeah. It's it's always the game when we talk about Pokemon and Buzz hasn't played Pokemon. Um, <laughs> no. but we do have an interesting bit of news that uh originally came from a Japanese person's Twitter account. It seems like Twitter is is big for breaking news and this guy works at a uh supposedly worked, I should say past tense at a company that developed uh, Nintendo 3DS products. And uh, the this tweet says, on November 20th, 11 3DS products that we designed will go on sale all at once. People who are buying the 3DS buy it at the same time. There will be more details on our homepage, and he provided a link. Now, this tweet was removed, which makes it kind of sketchy. There's also some other sketchier things, but it's also interesting to note that GameStop... Uh, recently announced that um, they will be taking pre-orders for the Nintendo 3DS on September 29th for a release of November 22nd. And of course this is relevant because on September 29th when these GameStop pre-orders would start, that is the date that Nintendo has given for when they officially will announce the release date and price points for the 3DS. So guys, buy or sell the 3DS... Uh coming to Jap Japanese and American audiences before November ends. I don't buy it personally. Um, my my guess says it's not true for several reasons. The main being Nintendo is, doesn't have really have a particular history with delivering early on stuff. They, they'll usually promise a, a, a general due time, a general release date, and then they'll miss it by like six months or a year. <laughs> or something. Mm -hmm. like, December 3rd. At, yeah, <laughs> December exactly. 3rd. At, at most, I could see them being on time. And that is their promise, what is it, April 2011? Yeah, no, like, la no okay, later. Okay, so maybe they'll get lucky and actually be correct for once. But I don't, it, to me, it doesn't make sense that out of the blue, like, oh no, we're going to beat our prediction by six months. Like, that, either, if it wasn't planned to be that way, then this, there's no way this is true. But that's just my take on it, just from outside. But, huh. Fair enough. Cyberlink. I honestly have no idea whether this is true or not. Like, I would not be entirely shocked if they put out November because Nintendo usually has a tradition of releasing their consoles and their handhelds around that time. But honestly, if it is true, I will be out there day one. I'm sure it'll probably be somewhere in the range of like. 200 maybe 250 and i will have my wallet out and ready to pick it up <laughs> first day if it's true ready to fork over whatever amount of money you want yeah but i would actually say that there's a pretty good chance this is true because more and more i've been hearing rumors of 3ds games being released about that time like i'm pretty sure there was a rumor that came out recently that paper mario 3ds was going to be released around then as well Mm -hmm. And obviously I can't vouch for the uh, veritability of these, but I would not be entirely shocked if they ended up being true. It it wouldn't make sense for them to hit the holiday season. I will right. you know, agree with that point for sure. Because it's stupid to miss a Christmas season ever. But it's just, again, it seems too soon to me. It seems so sudden. Mm -hmm. But hey, I'm, 
I'm not going to be. I'm not going to complain about being proven wrong here. <laughs> yeah. It'd be fantastic if it showed up. So. Absolutely. Uh, I think you know Cyberlink hit the nail on the head with you know it. It is all about the games, because you know we we heard little tidbits and we only saw screenshots. But if this game doesn't, you know, if this uh, this platform doesn't have a good launch base, it won't launch. Nintendo's smart enough to you know actually know you know when their library is ready for it to have a strong launch base with uh, with titles. And if those games are ready, I can tell you from E3, you know, three months ago I gave the 3DS a try, and it feels so long ago. I am yearning to give it another try again, but I can tell you that the hardware is ready. The real question is, is the software ready? And if it is, by, uh, by late November, I'd say, yeah, we're, we're going to see it. Um, on the next podcast, we will be telling you when and for how much the 3DS will be launching for. So this might, might just be a, a little leak in the information which Nintendo's usually so good in uh, keeping under wraps. Yep. That'd be Very fantastic true. news. Um, one thing I also want to throw in, uh, kind of a minor tangent but still related, is that the best way to combat piracy on any platform is to offer something that piracy does not give you. And this is a great example of that. You know, somewhere down the line there'll be 3DS emulators and, you know, someone will crack in that sense. But, you know, you're not going to get the 3D picture on your on your computer. You're going to want the original hardware. And this is the kind of the first big move where it's like, you know what, I'd rather have the real thing than pirate it. There's, there's, there's. Yeah. It's a much better experience. So, well, see, then you have I, the people who do the R4 chips and all that. So, oh, oh yeah, that's true. I mean, there, there's still going to be other ways, but just you know, but the whole emulation path will be, seem a lot less uh, enticing when you have the hardware that does this, because it'll be way cool to play games in 3D. So, mm-hmm. much agree. Um. So next one we have to talk about is a certain court ruling regarding uh, pre-owned games. I thought this this was interesting only just to throw in and mention really quickly because, you know, last time with uh, M3D, we'd only talked about, uh, you know, used games and all the different arguments for it, you know, only a whole lot. Uh, the Ninth Circuit Appeals Court in, uh, I want to say the District of Washington, yeah, in Washington, um, Appeals the Court allow, disallows the resale of drafting software. This is uh, AutoCAD, actually, uh, so... Some engineering students are, are you know, very familiar with this. Um, disallows resale of AutoCAD due to terms of EULA, which is the end-user license agreement. PC console games come with similar uh, restrictions. So, um, Buzz, you know, we, we talked about this last time. What does this one uh, basically say for, you know, whether uh, games are a license or uh, an actual um, property well, that you own? I- I th- I think it's okay to say that games are licensed, not sold. Like uh, again, it goes back go back to the movies example. No one no one believes that by purchasing a movie that you own the content. No one no one believes that. They they understand that yes, the the property rights stay with the creator, stay with the other person. I just own this copy. This is my you know instance of it. And the same applies here. I mean, so that but what they're trying to do is take it a step further. They well. Therefore, you agree to everything in the license, and part of our license says you cannot resell it, and you cannot, you know, transfer it or anything like that. Blah 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 blah. And to me, it sets a very dangerous precedent—not much for video games, but for the rest of the world. I mean, 
if if this goes through, I mean, because I, I've they're apparently appealing it and still fighting it and still you know debating whether how to decide this. But um, if this goes through, wait, just wait, just a few more months, and we'll start seeing books on shelves. Okay. Uh, the content here is licensed, not sold, and you do not own this, and you cannot sell this book to somebody else. You know, we'll block all secondhand sales. And then they'll start putting it on chairs and say, look, this chair design belongs to me, and so you cannot resell this chair, otherwise I get a cut. And you'll see it on, you know, houses. You know, the contractors will be like, oh, I put a lot of work into this house, and if you sell it to somebody else, I want to cut, blah, blah, blah. You know, that's what I'm afraid of. Video games are the least of my concerns. Mm-hmm. It's But this whole idea that they can right into a contract, you agree to this and you have to get that contract, is very disturbing. And that leads to my other point, that is, personally, my opinion, you should not be allowed to sell contracts over the counter at a retail store. To me, there's just something wrong with that. If you want to make it a serious license where you really do agree to these things, you know, bust out the paper, bust out, you know, the, the pen and make me sign it and agree to it. None of this garbage where I go, I pick it up off the shelf, I go to the cashier, I hand him a 20, and I, and I walk out with it. You know, that's not a contract. I'm sorry. I don't care, I don't care who you are, what, you, what you're selling. You, you don't make me agree to a bunch of terms just because I went and picked it up off the shelf. That's not the way the world works. If you want a serious contract, you make it sit down and sign it. And if they want to play that game, then I think they should start making people do that. Then they'll think twice because maybe customers don't want to do that. You know, there's a lot of implications here. But um, that's just my thought on it is just that it – we need laws protecting consumers saying, yes, you can resell it. Like, yes, it's a license, but I should be able to sell that license. I want to say, I don't want to play this game anymore. I want to sell my license to you, Yoko. You can have it. Or you can have it, Cyberlink. You know, I don't want it anymore. As long as we play by the rules and say, I'll stop playing it so you can play it, then everything will work out. I don't know what they're so afraid of. I don't know why they think sales are so evil, but, you know, anyway, that's just my thought. And a lengthy thought it is indeed. Yes. <laughs> Quite. Um, the article says, you know, the EA EULAs for PC games, so we're, we're talking about you know, electronic arts and how they have similar language with, you know, the software, uh, says this software is licensed, not sold, means the license agreement on Red Dead Redemption. Um, you agree not to A, commercially exploit the software, B, distribute, lease, sell, rent, or otherwise transfer the software or any copies of the software without the express consent of the licensor. Emphasis added on sell in the actual uh, original license agreement. It's it's one of those strange things, and unless Cyberlink, do you have any thoughts on it? We could just translate uh, right into, you know, Activision's uh, plans and what they might be doing in the future. Honestly, I can't follow that up. Like Buzz said, every more or less everything I was thinking. Like it, it's. At the end of the day, it is still a consumer product, and if we're going to be paying for it over-the-counter for this physical disc, then since we pay the money for it, we should have the right to be able to do what we want with this physical product that we purchase, even if that means selling it later or lending it to somebody for a weekend or whatever have you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So remember in uh, Metroid Other M, when you finish the game, you unlock theater mode. And when mm-hmm. you have all the different cut scenes, and we talked about this on the show uh, a couple weeks ago, or a couple episodes ago, a couple weeks would just be one episode, um, you can basically play a whole two-hour movie with all the cut scenes and sample gameplay. Well, Activision and you know CEO Bobby Kotick has thought, you know, hmm, StarCraft II sold about three million copies. We could take the... Uh, the cutscenes from there, 
on really you know any other game and if we you know furnish it just right we could sell it as a DVD like movie and make another 20 30 bucks a pop I don't know if that would sell to the gamers who already bought the game but yeah I think maybe some other more film oriented students you know might be interested in that kind of stuff and people people just want to just own it cuz but they're not into the game but they're into the story but it, it kind of reminds me of I, uh, like Final Fantasy uh, Advent Children. Like, yeah. did that actually do well you know, as far as sales go? I can't remember. I don't know how they sales keep re-releasing it, so I'm, I'm assuming yes. <laughs> I I was so mad at the quality of that film. So <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I yeah. assume it sold well because they keep doing like new versions of it, like right. seven new minutes of footage, blah blah blah, whatever. But mm-hmm. I am. Honestly, I think that there is a market for this. Like, I would very easily see somebody like who's not a gamer going out and like if they released, say, all of Metal Gear Solid Four as a movie instead of just a game. No jokes, people. Uh, I'm sure that there is a large group of people who would go out and do that. And I mean, like, hell, I'm probably part of that group because I just bought the. Uh, DVD set for the new season of uh, Red vs. Blue, and at its core, that's just it's all machinima and cutscenes. Like, take out the sound, and it's basically just Halo characters bobbing their heads up and down with some action interspersed in between, but still, you're paying money to essentially watch a video game, and I'm okay with that because it stands on its own. You don't need the gameplay in between to justify it. So, honestly, if it's good enough that it can stand on its own, it doesn't need to depend on it. Or, like, if it's something that you'd be, with a story strong enough, that you'd be the kind of guy to, like, go on YouTube and search for cutscenes to watch it there, then I honestly would not object to seeing them sell it anyway. And let's, be, let's face it, the people who buy this are going to be the people who want the story but wouldn't have played the game anyway, or the people who are huge fans of the franchise and will buy anything that has its name on it. So, honestly, I do not see the problem for the most part. But then I think you'd see a lot more issues with uh, people doing uh, Let's Plays on YouTube then. If it if they're actually, like, going to have, you know, a media attached to, like, the cutscenes and all that, that might, you know, spawn some issues in the future with uh, as far as YouTube and other video kind of productions are concerned. The quote that I have a problem with from Kodak is, if we were to go to our audience and say that we have this great hour and a half of linear video that we would like to make available to you at $30 price point or $20 price point, you'd have the biggest opening weekend of any film ever. Disagree. Yeah, um, I, I disagree. Yeah. Uh, it's, likewise. It's, a bit, it, it's a brutal statement to make, and yeah. especially at the price point. You know, games... It's, it's already silly enough that games are 60, but a movie, especially since movies already are considerably cheaper, mm-hmm. uh, good luck trying to sell it for 30 bucks. Yeah. yeah, I mean, like, I'm talking about Red versus Blue, and that I just bought the uh, last three seasons in a box set for $25, and that's mm-hmm. two hours each. So the idea of an hour and a half of video for a $30 price point, I don't care how good it is, that is not justified. 
Like, nope. Just play the game at $60 a pop and add in a feature where you can do this theater mode. Uh, I think it's just being overly greedy. And Accessory says, within the next five years, you're likely to see us do that. Now that may be in partnership, now that may be in partnership with somebody, it may be alone, but there will be a time when we capitalize on the relationship that we have with our audience, a.k.a. give us more money, fools. Yeah. It's... I mean, it, it's a whole issue. We could we could debate another time about the sixty dollars price point, which is ridiculously offensive given how big the game market is now today. It doesn't need to cost that much, and then they transfer it over here to these movies and try and charge that much. Yeah, good luck. <laughs> and, yeah. and look how sleazy this is. Cody said that Activision could do better than a traditional video company with such a product because we have their credit card information and we have a direct relationship with them. It's you know. People have called Bobby Kotick so many negative connotated words, and I, I would you know join them uh, on this issue. That I, I don't think that's how you approach this issue. And you can say like you know maybe maybe, but it just comes off drooling as money. You know we need more money, even though we're the biggest distributing you know publishing company in all of video games. It's it gives me the the jibbly jibbly jibblies. Seriously, way to build up uh, consumer confidence, Activision. You're really doing a lot of good. Mm -hmm. And a a quick mention before we talk about the games that are out recently. Um, Team Eco Collection has been confirmed. We had talked about this. There was maybe... Yes, yes. (laughs) Maybe a... I will uh, buy a PS3 for that. I I will finally break down and buy a PS3 for that game. Because I never played Eco, I never played Shadow, and my PS2 doesn't work. Mm. When this comes out, I will legitimately go out... I will pick up a PS3 at 599 US dollars. It's 300 now. Remember? Are you gonna Are you gonna hit the weak point for massive damage? US dollars. Are you gonna hit the weak point for massive damage? Yeah, hit the weak point for massive. And these fights took place in actual Japan. Keep that in mind. Yes, but you know the, hey, this game. I is will brave any enemy giant enemy crab for this game <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> with real time weapon changing. So this game is Shadow of the Colossus and Eco in HD um, with some little changes. Like Apparently they're going to be using the, uh, the now universally accepted uh, European ending of uh, which, Eco. Eco, yeah. So it'll be out in spring 2011. And I think if I read correctly, maybe a Walmart was taking uh, pre-orders for like $40. So that would be a great deal. I do have Shadow of the Colossus that is... Probably next up on the list of games to play. So I am excited for that. But Spring 2011 for Team Eco Collection. Um, out recently this week, you know, we do have what soon coming will be obviously Pokemon Black and White was, you know, just out, but we talked a little bit about that already. Um, Civilization 3 is in a few days for those that are excited about that for PC gaming. But we wanted to talk about Kingdom Hearts Birth by Sleep. And um, of Halo Reach. Um, now, Cyberlink, you mentioned that you know this is one of the games that uh, PSP owners must have. Why so? Because I'll be honest, I liked Kingdom Hearts 358 over two days. I think I talked about it a little back in our last Yomakon episode, which feels like forever ago now. Wow, it does. But uh, it, I did like it, but it just wasn't nearly as good as the original Kingdom Hearts or Kingdom Hearts 2. And I think a lot of people agree with that. Same thing with uh, Chain of Memories. But from everything I've seen, Birth by Sleep is completely returned to form. It's very much an extension of the uh, pre- the two uh, numbered Kingdom Hearts games. And 
it's very much more ties into uh, the storyline. It fills in a lot of plot holes. And the presentation for a PSP game is probably among the best on the system, both visually and in uh, terms of audio. Like I've said before, the Kingdom Hearts games have absolutely phenomenal voice acting, which is part of the reason why Japan always gets final mix so they can listen to it. And uh, Birth by Sleep is no exception. I mean, you've got basically all the usual players from the uh, cast, but you've also got people like uh, Mark Hamill, Leonard Nimoy, stars like that. And it re- they all really de- deliver a uh, solid performance. Like, I'm probably not going to play it because I don't have a PS3 or PSP and really don't intend to get one. But mm-hmm. I've been watching like through all the story cutscenes on YouTube, right back to our previous uh, conversation. Yep. And it's just very much, very, very interesting. It keeps pace with the rest of the story. And if you're a Kingdom Hearts fan, there is absolutely no question that you need to go out and pick up this game now. Yeah, they've got uh, some multiplayer modes that are you know, appealing, you know, some verses or some racing as yeah, well. Yeah, there's... Su- yeah, there's some mini, there's some mini games, some racing, some like a traditional versus mode, battle mode. Basically, it's pretty much covering all your bases. So, yeah, it's definitely something you want to get some friends together for if you can find people who also have a game. And the the key is that you play through three different story modes: one with Terra, Aqua, and Ventus. It's a, a prequel of sorts, kind yeah, of like Halo takes, Reach. With a um, yeah, know. it takes place before the uh, first Kingdom Hearts game, and each of those characters does sort of play a role in shaping the events that set up the first Kingdom Hearts. So, people who have been following the mythology will see a lot of uh, stuff that they'll pick up on and recognize. So, mm-hmm. it's a good time for them. Yeah, you said that you know Hades is as amazing as ever, but Hades is. I think one of the best Disney villains of all he's time. One, he's one of the best Disney villains ever made, so that's like a fairly obvious statement. Mm-hmm. Uh, Buzz, do you have any thoughts on Kingdom Hearts? I still need to play it. I'm in another sh- more shame territory. Our neighbor just got it, actually, the old oh, really? ones, and I need to play them to catch up on the oh, story. Nice. Yes. Um, yeah, I, I started the first one and got kind of stuck at the platforming in... Uh, the Tarzan section, but I, apparently I need to play two. Apparently two is where it's at. And yeah, two so. is rad, but I'll also say that I think the Disney stuff is better integrated in this game than it was in like the last couple of games. Like it focus, it seems to focus a lot more on the Disney side of things than past games have paid attention to. Like if you, like in uh, three fifty eight over two, you're going through these Disney worlds, but for the most part. You don't interact with the characters in them. It's still very much sort of based around Roxas and his story, but mm-hmm. in this, it's gone back, sort of gone back to form where the Disney characters sort of take the center stage whenever they show up. So I will say that that was handled very tastefully, very well. Mm-hmm. Um, Halo Reach also was released on the 14th, and uh, that as well is a prequel to the original Halo. Um, so it's kind of like a similar sort of storytelling. You know what's going to eventually happen, but uh, this is how it's presented. So Reach is the planet, uh, which is a a lost human colony by the time that uh, Halo 1 comes around. And so you know it will ultimately meet its demise, but it's how does it go about that? Uh, you are Noble Six, you join the Noble Team, which is already made up of five people. Uh, they lost their sixth member, and you're filling in the place. There's no Master Chief. 
Although he does make a cameo as a voice in the firefight uh, multiplayer mode. And so, like I mentioned earlier, my brother and I finished the campaign this morning. Uh, it takes about eight hours to complete. <sighs> I'm not the biggest Halo fan. I think it, you know, it does its job for a first-person shooter. It was so revolutionary back in the day. Um, the multiplayer options are, are simply fantastic. It's not that I, you know, I'm a Call of Duty fanboy and I prefer it more. And Call of Duty, Halo, blah, 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 blah. It's not that for me. It's, it's just when I play Halo games, not only am I awful, I'm just terrible at first-person shooters to begin with. But, you know, you hear people... That's how I am. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you got Borderlands, and you're you're you know trashing that pretty well, right? Well, but I I still argue that Borderlands is comparatively slower uh, and RPG focused I more see. than like you know how quick are you and how you know all your headshots and fancy stuff. Like it, it just feels different. I played other first person shooters and I hate them, but Borderlands is just one I like. So I gotcha, I gotcha. But um. You know, you hear other reviewers say that, like, oh, you know, I, I, Morgan Webbin is, is an example on G4, and she was, you know, of course, she gave, you know, helped give uh, Metroid Other M a 2 out of 5, but she also said that, like, oh, you know, I played the the Halo games, and, you know, this was, you know, cover to cover, and this is the first game I felt like I understood, like, what was going on in the campaign, and I, I have four words regarding the campaign. I don't get it. <laughs> I really, really don't. And it's maybe just like the Halo mythology that you really have to like, you know, absorb yourself into. I know about like Master Chief and Cortana and Johnson and like those kind of characters, but it I cannot for the life of me pay attention to those Halo cutscenes except when you you see you meet see the demises of all the different, you know, team members. You know, there's no spoilers there. You knew it was gonna happen. Everyone, everyone dies the end <laughs> but yeah it, it, when you like Classy. talk about when you talk about the story and aside from like the major overarching plot points i just don't get it i want to just go and shoot stuff up and here's my biggest complaint about halo and you know halo reach oh, i'm gonna say again great game great game from a design standpoint and what they offer it it is absolutely worth the money and is one of the best halo titles by far oh sure you know three is is great with the uh, multiplayer and all that, but still, what I my, my my biggest gripe with this game is that you can do space fights, and I know that is a great thing. The space fights were the most fun I had in a Halo game, and That's cool. and my my complaint is that of all the multiplayer options, of all the different options they have, if you have a spaceship fighter sort of setup because you know you can do it. You absolutely know you can. But if you add that into your already amazing multiplayer options, you win. When if you combine Halo and Star Fox 64 multiplayer, you win. So why don't they add the space fighting as a multiplayer option? I I had a lot of fun with that part of the campaign and to see it just be one level in the entire campaign was, and even was even half a level, it was pretty disappointing on that par- on that part. It is a shame because Star Fox air combat is pretty freaking amazing. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, you know the space battles were easy, but it was a hell of a lot of fun. Um, that's why I thought. Did you uh you get to play Reach Cyberlink? 
Funny story. I was there at midnight picking up Reach because my brother wanted it and he had school in the morning and I didn't. <laughs> so I was at, so I did get it and I downloaded it. I've probably played maybe 45 minutes of Forge mode and that's it. Mm-hmm. Like I haven't touched the campaign. I haven't touched the multiplayer. I haven't touched any of it. And he's been going through on Legendary like oh right goodness. off the bat. So He's one of those people, is he? <laughs> yeah, but he's, yeah, but he's a hardcore Halo player, so he's been he figured might as well save some time, get 450 gamer score all at once, you know. Yeah. But uh, Re- I'll be honest, Reach is the first time that I've really sort of been interested in playing a Halo game. Like I was never a huge Halo fan, mm-hmm. but ironically, ever since I started watching Red vs. Blue, tying back to an earlier conversation, that actually got me into the Halo franchise, and now I sort of want to. Uh, sort of go back and experience what I missed. And since Reach is sort of the starting point for the series, I figure that's as good a place to start as any. Sure. Absolutely. Um, so with those games, they're, they're definitely, you know, buys. Go, go buy them if you have the, uh, the appropriate consoles. And the, you know, they're, they're great games. So give, them, give them a shot. Uh, we yeah. haven't already... Everyone has to go watch the Portal 2 co-op trailer that just recently came yes. out. Oh, yeah? That, that was brilliant. If you're a Portal fan, go to Steam and get that trailer right now. Just thought I'd throw Ooh. that in. <laughs> a yes. good, good recommendation indeed. But we do have to talk Tokyo Game Show, and it's kind of funny. Like the, the three things we have to talk about here, I mean, we could talk about, you know, Tekken Tag Tournament 2, which is a pretty substantial uh, title uh, launch from Namco, but it's going to be, it's right now a Japanese-only release. They mentioned at the end of the trailer that, you know, the release date of, you know, is for is for Japan only. We're not sure if we're going to be bringing, they're going to be bringing it to America, I'm sure, but... I'm sure. It's, you know, basically Tekken with, uh you know, 2v2, and you can do some tag combos, and it's the whole juggling metagame that you know and love if you, if that's your thing. But I, I find it interesting that, like, you know, the three updates that I found the most appealing, and I think fans would find the most appealing. We're it's all, all Capcom. It is all Capcom. So let's. Oh, get, Capcom! They own our chi- they own our childhoods. Pretty much, they really do. I love Capcom. Me too. So someday I will find Seth Killian, shake his hand, and try to break it so he can't use his tournament stick against me. <laughs> <laughs> and his crazy reverse handling of all that. I don't know how he does it. It's frightening (laughs) he's so good um but number one of three for capcom news at tokyo game show is dmc Uh, and you know the trailer looks pretty cool it's you know obviously going to be a take of like if devil may cry was given a western sort of spin because you can tell like the character design but people are throwing crap fits that is not Dante. Yes. That is the lead singer from Fallout Boy. <laughs> <laughs> That's a nice comparison. Yeah, they're, they're, yeah I don't. The whole, the whole. I actually did watch the trailer, and to me, like, does that does that really work for people? That that whole setup and the whole, you know, his emo look and his whole "I'm hardcore no, and I kill demons." Raw, like, <laughs> I I cannot get into those kind of games at all. The, these kind of drive me nuts, and I it blows my mind that there even is a dead. It's yeah, completely ridiculous. That's what it is. Mm-hmm. I almost thought we lost Buzz for a little bit there. Yeah, um, <laughs> I was worried. Oh, no. 
Uh, but yeah, people are basically you know, going crazy about like, oh, that that's not Dante. You know, Dante, you know, has a is half demon and his hair is white, not from old age, but that's how he is. <laughs> and it's, it's where is the trench coat? Where is the trench coat? <laughs> so yeah, exactly. So I thought I'd you know I'd bring up a Kotaku article here. It says Dante's biggest fans weigh in on Devil May Cry. A bunch of different quotes that you know cosplayers who are dressed up as Dante and Virgil. And, you know, they had to say this. And they said, what a letdown. I was so disappointed. We don't know much about it, though. Is it a prequel? Is it a spinoff? His hair looks different. But I'm going to buy it. I'm going to buy it, too. I'm going to complain about it, then buy it. I'm going to p- complain while buying it. I think all fans of the series are going to say they don't like it, but then buy it. I like it. I'm going to buy it new. I'm just not going to buy it used. It's good to have low expectations. I have low expectations. Yeah, I'm going to buy it. Me, too. And that's why they're going to make more of them. So everyone's like, this is a terrible game, but the company's like, oh, look how much money we made. Let's make it another one. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, you could even say that like for people who are even you know not going crazy on back again, Pokemon Black and White. Like they, if they don't like you know the character designs, whatever, they're still gonna buy the games if they are a fan of the the franchise. So I don't know. the The trailer was edgy. Um, wasn't there another? Was it was it another Capcom game? Was like Asuma's Wrath or something like that? That was yeah, also that announced. Was, yeah, yeah, that was another one. And then I believe there was another one. I I'm not sure if that might have been Asuma's Wrath, but there was another one they announced that was uh, Shinji Mikami, uh, Suda Fifty One, oh, yeah. working together on a survival horror game. That was might it, have been the Asuma's Wrath was it, one. Was it? Oh, that might have been Shadows of the Damned or something like that. Oh yeah, that's Shadows of the Damned. Yeah. Um, it's not Capcom, but Discale Four was also announced. Finally being brought into the HD dimension. Yes, yes. Dimension. <laughs> For lack dimension. of a better word. Yeah, the HD era or something. Yeah, yeah, finally ditching the PS2 graphics and getting upgraded a little. Mm-hmm. So that that was at least worth a mention. Um, we finally got some more info on Mega Man Universe and what that is actually entailed. It's... I was very surprised to see. I you you saw the original trailer, and you know even Keiji Inafune, who's you know the director and all that, he was saying like, well the the original, uh, was it the original trailer? You know, left a lot of fans guessing because it really didn't have uh, a lot you know to go off of, and we'd even said that on the podcast. You know, it's just yeah. But looking, if you look back at it, they drop a lot of subtle hints in that teaser trailer that make a lot more sense. Like now, like there's the scene where Mega Man's falling and all the different parts show up on him. And obviously that was sort of a uh, reference to the fact that now we have customizable characters and stages. Mm -hmm. So you pick up on that stuff in hindsight, but very subtle. But yeah, the game is essentially, you know, Mega Man 2 brought into like a a 3D kind of uh, element, except the whole big customization thing that they're going off of is you can create your own Mega Man levels share them with people, you know, bring the whole user-generated content that Little Big Planet was so big on, and also you can create your own characters. So that's when you see, you know, Ryu is going to be, you know, going and uh, going through these Mega Man levels. That's uh, what that is all about. Um, I don't know. I like it, but then again, I've Mega Man is one of those games I always struggle at terribly, but... It's, it was hard. Yeah. It's well, yeah, very, it very difficult series. <laughs> I mean, I mean, that's I that's one of game, its defining trademarks. I, I I honestly think that Mega Man would have been f- maybe forgotten at one point if it wasn't as hard as it was. Because mm-hmm. you know, there's not a lot. There's not a lot to it. I mean, it's pretty rudimentary platformer. Go left to right, shoot everything in your path. I mean, you don't have to think too much. But just the fact 
so difficult. Whoa. It just burns in your mind, and there's another one that comes out. You're like, oh, we have to beat it. <laughs> so, Yes, it was so difficult. Come forth, my Zubats. Wreak havoc. Wait, 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 wait. No, you're absolutely right there. Uh, anything else about Mega Man Universe? I'm sorry, Blink, you probably have some, some words. Um, A few, like, I sort of caught on to Mega Man Universe. Like, I really started paying attention after I noticed that uh, the one of the uh, teaser trailers they did at PAX had uh, music by the Megas, which is a very, very awesome yes, video yes. game cover band. Highly recommended. But uh, I think it's a really cool idea. They're obviously taking sort of the little big plan approach, custom characters, custom stages. And the fact that they're doing all this and basing it off like the Mega Man 2 sort of style of gameplay i'm very very much in support of like mega man 2 like a lot of people is my favorite nes game or not my favorite my favorite mega man game excuse me and Six uh, is better. <laughs> yeah yeah sure whatever but i'm very much excited about this game i think there's going to be a lot of uh really interesting stuff that people can do and i've been and i think that Mega Man in the Universe is going to be okay when it first launches, but I'm really eager to see where it is like a year after it launches when people have really gotten a handle on the uh, creative tools and are making these absolutely insane levels. And it's going to be really interesting to see sort of how that community develops, how people sort of take those tools that they're given and create these absolutely crazy things. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. There's going to be abuse. You know there is. Oh, I'm sure it will be, but... Levels sure just cap- like laden top to bottom with spikes and enemies defending the jump areas. And- but that's what you had when you know Guitar Hero was- went and did you know their own user customization. You had like the hardest Guitar Hero song ever made. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's just inhumanly fast. Yeah, and stupid exactly. And so. I mean, I mean, you the, you get the good with the bad, and obviously you have to sift through the bad to, to find the good, and it'll be worth it in the long run. I do I do like it when they open stuff up to the users. Yeah, but you got to remember that the hardcore Mega Man fans, the people who go through Mega Man like two or three, do speed runs, you could put a room of no spike, it's like all spikes, all walls, no exits, and they would still find a way to beat the level, and you know it. <laughs> Probably. We'll see. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the big game that I you know absolutely Cyberlink and I are hyped for. And I think Buzz is even getting a little bit of excitement too for is Marvel vs. Capcom 3. We like to talk Wanna about take that for game. A ride. It's back. It's just hard to be excited because I can't play it on anything. Well, you should I, you should get it to play on something. They might Are they going to make a PC version? version? They might. That might work. That'd be fantastic. Actually, before, is that before all I have is a Wii. Yeah, before you get into uh, MVC, Yoko, little tidbits that okay. was announced at about the same time. Sure. Yoon and Yang from Street Fighter 3 have been confirmed as playable characters in the arcade build of Super Street Fighter 4. Right, right. And from the sound of things, they're going to be added back to as a DLC for the console version. Well, that could mean a lot oh, for you. Know. Word. Confirmed. <laughs> Deconfirmed. DLC. Confirmed. <laughs> DLC, what Nintendo can't do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think that's exciting for you know those of us that are want you know characters like Phoenix Wright in Marvel vs. Capcom three for the potential of DLC and have you know characters be able to. There's just no excuse anymore. We have two of the consoles have massive hard drives and then you have PC. It's like 
leave your game open for expansion. It's <laughs> not hard, but yeah, I mean, like with PS3, it's not even an issue of console hard drives not being able to accommodate. You can put any size hard drive in that system, and as long as it will physically fit inside, you can basically run add as much memory as you want. So there's no excuse. But I'm I'm very much a proponent of DLC characters for fighting games. Like I've been playing uh, Blaze Blue Continuum Shift as well, and uh-huh. last last month they added uh, Makoto as a downloadable character. Probably end of this month, start of next month, they'll be adding Valkenhayn as well, and then one more later. And it's very much very much an appreciated feature. Like I'm getting a lot more life out of the game, even after like completing the story mode, unlocking everything. Adding new characters changes up the metagame entirely, adds plenty of new stuff for you to do. And if they want to use that as a way of extending the life of the game, encouraging people to hang on to it instead of selling it off, then I am 100% for that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, so for Marvel vs. Capcom 3, we got we have four new characters I mean, TGS is like is a big deal in Japan, so I guess it's not a surprise. I I almost expected just only two. We started well, with uh with Tron. I was gonna Bond. say we got six at Comic Con. Oh really? Yeah, I, I suppose. Huh. So many fighters. It's absurd. <laughs> That's a good thing. Uh, so we got we got Tron Bon coming back from MVC two, originally from Mega Man Legends. I got some people a little worried about, you know. If actual Mega Man, whatever version, will be in the game. Oh, he will be. It's just a matter of time. Mm-hmm. So you got Tron Bon in her big uh, robo suit of sorts. And you think that uh, Stephanie Shea is vo- voicing the... Uh... From what... Just based on how it sounds to me. I could be entirely wrong. But I've noticed Tron plays a lot like she does in Marvel vs. Capcom. But she's got a new pile driver super. And she's also... It looks like her Tron Beam special, which is very much abused and as, as an assist in uh, Marvel's Capcom 2, has replaced with le- been replaced with like some sort of rock throw or something that doesn't seem nearly as sort of abusable as its predecessor. So it'll be interesting to see whether she's quite as popular this time around as she was last time. Mm-hmm. And then also X-23, which... People are just going out and saying that, you know, oh, she's a Wolverine clone, blah, blah, blah. But it's technically she is. Hmm. I don't know. Because she, I was going to say, she's actually a Wolverine clone in the story. Technically, yes. Right, right. But as far as gameplay goes, it's it's really not so much. Well, I personally don't have a problem with clones. That's one thing I've always actually disagreed with a lot of people on regarding Melee in particular, but even if all. Like, if it's a, if it's a, a perfect clone, yeah, stupid. If, if the characters play exactly, the same. but what I liked about clones, at least in Smash, was it's like the game has no customization, but what you have is a, a chance. It's a minor customization to play a, a character slightly differently because his physics are different, and plus it gives you another free character and has a lot less development time on their end. So you know it expands the roster. So you know clones. If there's too many or they're too identical, then yeah, they're they're bad and you, they really shouldn't have too many of them but generally speaking it expands the roster and it gives you a little bit of flexibility so i i'm in favor of clones when they, when they show up so i don't mind yeah, if you've been in here particularly a wolverine clone because wolverine's just cool oh yeah yeah well based on what i've seen she does not very much play like wolverine i'd actually say that she's very similar to cammy in her play style at least from what i can see 
Yeah, and that's exactly the point. That's that's the beauty of these so-called clones, which really they shouldn't even be called clones. It's heaven forbid some of their moves look a little bit alike. They must be identical. Like, yeah, I mean, oh. it's not like uh, Ryu Kanakuma kind of thing where they literally have the same moveset with different properties. Right. Well, Disney bought Marvel, so I'm still vouching for Buzz Lightyear in this game. <laughs> uh, I wouldn't hold your horses. Yeah, oh. Maybe uh, next Kingdom Hearts. There you go. <laughs> Kingdom Hearts, there you go. Uh, Disney bought Pixar, right? That's right. Yeah, yes. they're, they're one of the same now, essentially. Disney's Sweet. sucking everybody up. Suck them up. <laughs> Suck them all up. And, um, you know, we didn't really have time to add it to the uh, the outline because it happened so recently, but uh, Spider-Man and Wesker were also confirmed. Wesker from uh, Resident Evil villain. Complete global saturation. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think we might near be near the end of, you know, these characters that... Well, Acts 23 was a little bit of a surprise. I'll, I'll be honest there. But, you know, characters that... We're not really surprised by their inclusion anymore. I, we knew Spider-Man was coming, and we had, you know, we, we talked about the uh, uh, Frank Thierry, the Marvel writer who's writing for Marvel vs. Capcom 3, and he'd mentioned the, uh, you know, the villains. So he said, "Oh yeah, maybe you know Bison and uh, Wesker." Yeah, maybe. and uh, Wesker's voice actor actually dropped a hint about him being in like back when the first teaser trailer came out. So. Uh-huh. We've it's kind of been we kind of had an idea that it was coming, but it's good to see these characters in. I'm very surprised it took them this long to finally announce Spidey, mm-hmm. but uh, Spider's like he's like the Mario of Marvel versus Capcom in my opinion. Yeah, he's, yeah, like, he's just got to be there. He's Mario's. He's Marvel's best character, pretty much. So. Yeah. Well, but which is besides Wolverine, of course. But. Yeah, he's Marvel's uh, Mario, while uh, Ryu's sort of Capcom's. So yeah. But uh, Spidey looks to be fairly similar to what he was like in the last few games. I would agree his, with that, yeah. Yeah, his, uh, instead of air dashing, he uses a uh, web zip to get along around the stage very quickly, so I think that's going to be his biggest asset. But Amaterasu and, uh, does that, so it's not like it's a totally unique thing. It's, it's like a, well, yeah, an well, yeah, but it, Spidey's web zips looks to be much faster than uh, Amaterasu's uh, thing. So. Whatever she does, yeah. Yeah, and uh, they've tweaked some of his moves, like the Maximum Spider is now very, very different from what it was originally. Mm-hmm. But Wesker, Wesker actually looks very interesting. He seems to remind me a lot of uh, Joe the Condor in Tatsunoko vs. Capcom, yeah. where he's sort of he's sort of a lumbering, close-range fighter, but he can really sort of dole out the damage. He's got the whole counter thing going on, and... Uh, I really like his special where he basically just unloads on a guy and then throws a missile at him. A very nice callback to the fight against him in Resident Evil 5. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, I'd agree with that. He totally looks like, and you know, with, with his trench coat design, and all, it, it's classic and all, but some people are making comments that you know he looks like a blonde Neo. And I think that, that'd be pretty fair. Neo from the Matrix. Um, <laughs> but yeah, his... How you, you did mention the missile, but I almost felt that you know his move set could be done could have been done by someone else and it would have worked. Yeah, I mean spoilers for Resident Evil Five, but at the end of that game, Wesker basically goes full on T virus and gets a bunch of crazy zombie powers, and he for the most part he really doesn't utilize them. I mean it's all punches, kicks, maybe a gun or two, and then his specials, which 
aside from the super speed, super strength, that kind of thing, really don't reflect any of the sort of power-ups he got. So I'm kind of disappointed that they really didn't utilize that very well. But he still looks like an interesting character. It'll be interesting to see sort of where he ranks in the competitive metagame and how he plays. Sure, sure. Absolutely. Um, I think that's about all for TGS news, unless we can come up with something real quick. Can you think of anything else? That's all the big stuff I can think of. Mm -hmm. It's just surprising how much of it was actually actually Capcom. Yeah. Um, I used to look forward to TGS, but there's really nothing I'm waiting for right now. Like, I remember... I think it was Twilight Princess or other stuff that I'd always look for TGS for more news. I think they did some Smash news uh, several years yeah, ago. Yeah, they probably like a yeah. demo but or now so. It's, it's like all we have left is Marvel vs. Capcom, so at least we got some here's, new characters. Here's the, pro- here's the problem. E3 oh. is in July. Gamescom is in August. PAX is, TGS is in September. PAX is in between. And then Comic-Con is like in between Gamescom and E3. Yeah. So that's five major outlets for video game news, like all in the same like three month space. They need to learn to space these things out better throughout the year. Like all of this happening at once, you get basically well, well, that's one of our no mail the winter. That's one of our well, mail yeah, time no- questions, so we should probably save that discussion uh-huh. from then actually. Um Zero and Ronma pointed out in the chat, and I don't know with all the Capcom news how we possibly forgot about it. Ace Attorney Investigations 2 was announced. Yes. Yes. I haven't played the first one yet. No. <laughs> um, I'm a little disappointed that it's not Gyakuten Saibon 5, but Gyakuten Kenji 2 is certainly welcome, seeing how the first one was. Um, I would very much agree with you on that sentiment. Um, they seem to have a lot of different callbacks to past games, like one of the main antagonists in uh, in Justice for All, Shelley DeKiller, appears to be making a comeback. Um, yep. Will Powers from the first game, as well as uh, Gord Lake, which Gord plays Lake, a yep. very important role. Uh, so there's definitely some some little callbacks they seem to be making. Um, it's you know going to be again. It seems to be they're advertising the whole Edgeworth, Kay Faraday, Dick Gumshoe sort of tandem. Uh, no word really if Von Karma or uh, Long will be making a return. I'm sure Francisco will be there somewhere. Yeah. I want Godo to break out of prison. Oh crap! There you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, Fra- Francisco needs to come and say mouse. It's kind of. I have to explain that um, one of her her uh, what animated gifts sprites at the end of uh, Justice for All when you know she's crying uh, and all that, that when she's crying. If you look at like a looping gif of that, it looks like she's saying mouse. And of if which you, character? Uh, Francisca von Karma. Oh, von Karma. Oh, yeah, okay. and and if you see it, you can't unsee mouse. So I'll, I'll just I'll just <laughs> warn you. She says mouse. Mouse. <laughs> they didn't have much power over the GBA back then. <laughs> Not too much, no. But th- that's that's absolutely exciting. I don't think they actually set a, a release date for that, but to know that there is more Ace Attorney stuff coming our way, great. Great. Agreed. So, yeah, with that, let's get into some mail time questions. We just got a letter. 
We just got a letter. We just got a letter. We just got a letter. Wonder who it's from. First one That's comes from yeah, <laughs> from Psycho Wing X9. As of this episode, half of the episodes of Show Me Your News, counting the Pandacast Strikes Back as one episode, are post brawl. How do you feel about that? I feel that Sakurai should announce a new brawl game so we can fix this. There you go. Smash game. I'd, I'd be okay with that. I, I think, you know... Yeah, it's, kind of, it's kind of poetic now that we talk about Marvel vs. Capcom characters being added in versus <laughs> brawl. But other than that, it's like, we have no purpose anymore. Yeah, I was going to say, I think we're at the point where we need to turn this into the Marvel vs. Capcast. Uh, I, I think we'd be, you know... Not enough of hardcore, you know, hardcore fighters like for two D fighters and all that. They'd expect a lot, and we're we're just not that. Yeah. We're we're gonna, we're gonna give you the news. I'm okay with you know the gaming news never stops, and it's a lot of fun you know, every couple of weeks to to cover them and just talk about a passion that we all have. I, I think mm-hmm. I think that's that's great. I'm. I'm happy that it's continued this long. I wish we could make some sort of profit on it, but then again, that may just be, you know, me in the fall after I graduate in one of the worst states for an economic climate and I don't have a job. I know you can talk about, you know, video games and losers and jobless and all that all you want, but like <laughs> it's rough, man. I and I I'm so glad to, you know, keep Moving forward, if they, even if I do the get something, the fact that you're in, in Michigan future. probably doesn't help. Uh, yeah, Michigan is yeah, enough said. Really yes. enough said. So, how do I feel about that? I'm I'm happy. I'm happy with the path Show Me News is taking, especially when we get to do cool things like do a do a panel at an anime convention for probably not oh, a lot of that's people. Really cool. Hooray! And of course, since you, Sorty, and I are dressing up, we need to take a picture and then Photoshop Buzz into it. There you go. Yeah, no kidding. Just throw me in the background. Look, I was there. Do a a random tangent. How are the uh, the costumes coming along for Halloween and whatever? I'm pretty much done with mine. You are, okay. Even the, the other Sonic X one that you're doing? Yeah, I finally managed to find a decent wig. The problem is getting it to stay spiky enough. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to $300 so I can attend. Yeah, seriously. You need to get a plane ticket out here. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I'm working on my Godot costume still. We keep finding stuff at Salvation Army that is like, yep, perfect Godot color. Well, buy it and send it to me. <laughs> Gosh dang it. <laughs> And that is, I don't know your size. I'd probably be like too I'll send short. Your measurement. There you go. I need them. We're, we're, seriously, I've tried shopping around here. It's it's bad. We don't have many options. So, <laughs> um, I'm pretty much all done with my Gavin costume. Uh, I'm not gonna do the wig. I'm just gonna bring sunglasses and with you know shorter hair. It's gonna be like a mix of young Gavin and older Gavin. Um, <laughs> I still have to make the pendant. That's the last thing I have to do. Um, we gotta do worst prosecutor ever. <laughs> but he gets all the ladies. You know it's true. Oh my gosh. Um, but yeah, he's not a prosecutor. I don't get what it says. He just does that on the side for kicks and giggles. He never really went to law school of any kind. Prosecutor by day, rock star by night. Meow, meow. Pretty much coming this summer. The Gaviners. 
Um, but I'm I'm gonna probably make the pendant out of wood because apparently Capcom used to sell, uh, you know, metallic Gaviner's pendants. Oh wow! They apparently they used to like it might have been like a Japan only thing, but it was definitely a thing, and I can't find it on eBay. So I think I'm just gonna do um like make it out of wood, give it like a clay sort of molding, and then you know spray spray paint it uh silver. That that'll work, right? Right, as long as I get it the right size. But yeah, I got like, I've got the. It's not a perfect purple, but it's it's a purple coat, and it's kind of close to the right color. I mean, as it's probably as close as I'm gonna get. And then I got the chains and everything. It's it's gonna be exciting. And for all those, awesome. all the people that Pick, are coming picks or it didn't happen. Yeah, it, it will. We'll, we will have picks. That's for sure. Yep. Uh, next question is from Darker Eye. With the Tokyo Game Show occurring just off the heels of PAX, do you think that there should be more big news gaming conventions, or do you believe that too many cooks spoil the broth? Now, you were talking about this earlier, Cyberlink. Uh, anything else? That, well, recap what you basically said. Basically, I said, you've basically, July through September, you got E3, then Comic-Con, then Gamescom, then PAX, then TGS. It's too much at once. You've got to learn to space it out. Mm-hmm. Like, but no one wants they, to travel in the winter. That's the big thing. Is like not robust, so they kind of have no choice but to clump together. Yeah, I I understand that, but or actually there is like Pax Pax East in like March, so that's something. But yeah, it's just too much. It's just too much at once. You've got all this news for like three months, and then more or less a drought for the rest of the year, and. Once you get well, like all the news- another issue you have is uh like so a lot of those shows aren't intended for everybody like you know Gamescom is not for us but right, we hoard it anyway we we go and we're like what what did they announce oh we already know that oh we didn't know that and, like we go and hoard other people's shows even though they're trying to distribute it for the sake of the geography not for the gaming community as a whole but I I hear what you're saying that yeah it it all yeah and it's even pulls sort together of fact- anyway. Yeah, it's even sort of infected like Game Developers Conference, which is not meant to be a news show. It's meant to be for developers to share ideas, learn each other's yeah. techniques. And I now like it's sort it of turned too. into a uh like a news show. Like when Nintendo did their keynote a couple of years ago, it was it wasn't about developers. It was all just announcements like the S D card solution and spirit tracks and stuff like that. And yeah. I just think that it'd be once you have like that big series of announcements at like E3, then you sort of don't have as much content to deliver for these other shows. So I think they should be spaced out a little more evenly so that they, these companies have like more stuff to show for each of these different events. Mm-hmm. I- I'm still okay with you know E3 being the uh, the top of the line there. I'm just I'm just glad we have E3. If you think about true, it, true, true. Like yeah. Europe hoards E3 news, so I mean it, it must be hard to attend Gamescom. Be like, oh, I already know most of what's here, but look at new stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, it it kind of sucks that we uh, they have to watch ours first, but that's just kind of how we are. Is we we hoard information. <laughs> I'm just like we want it all. Yeah, I, I'd be I'd absolutely agree. like it. Maybe like every two months, if they have like you know a sort of big, you know convention sort of deal at you know different places in the world you can even put it like in the southern hemisphere for all i care and then it's technically not winter down there yeah it's summer temperatures so like even like give some give the aussies some love put like in put it in melbourne 
And now we hate Aussies. Or even in Sydney <laughs> or, or Perth or wherever. Put like a convention there. And uh, there you go. But we need to then you have stuff like BlizzCon. They don't even want to share with the other one. They're just like, we have our own. We're too cool. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, but Yoko, if you put a convention in Australia, half of it would be like horribly censored. <laughs> I guess that's true. That's kind of true. <laughs> All the booth babes would be wearing like big black bars, and if you knock somebody over, they would fade away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> that's why. Or they just go up because they have C4 inside them, like all Zelda creatures. <laughs> uh, Detonate after death. Yep, yep. So I, I, I would agree with like I'm okay with the number of you know big news conferences that we have, but yeah, spreading them out would be a good idea. It's, but it's just it's not really an issue of too many cooks spoil the broth. Just as long as you space it out, like I'm, I'm perfectly okay with that. Uh, last yeah, you. Yeah, you ha- don't ha- you don't have too many cooks. You just have just enough cooks, but they're all working at once. There you go. That is that is a great analogy. <laughs> all uh, worked in the same shift. Yeah, yeah they're all off. working in the same pot. Mm-hmm. Uh, final mail time question comes from Alan of Awesome. When you were fifteen or sixteen in high school, obviously, what did you think your career would be? How close have you come to your own expectation? Well, we're gonna start with Buzz because he's the oldest yeah. one. Out of all of us, well, and I'm plus I'm the most predictable. Like, I, I, I didn't struggle one bit deciding what I wanted to be. I knew from a very young age I wanted to be a game developer, and that that started probably when I was like eight years old. And even into high school, I just confirmed it more and more the more I learned about programming and computers. And then got to college. I had a moment of doubt in college. There was about a year when I I was going to become a web developer and not do anything with games anymore. And then I switched over and was going to write business applications in Java. And then I kind of came full circle and I was like, no, the only thing I have fun doing is making games. So I, like, you know, I got to college. I never once changed my major. I stuck to the same major. And I'm hopefully getting closer to living that dream. So, but yeah, so I've, I had an expectation and I've, I've met it. I'm impressed. That's my story. I'm impressed. Now, Cyberlink, what about you? Man, I've gone back and forth between so many different things that it's not even funny like i i too wanted to try video game development but every time i tried taking a programming class i was not very good at it i will wholeheartedly admit but i was gonna say after a while i just sort of realized that i have such like this connection to the internet like i've been using it ever since i was very young and i've sort of learned its ins and outs and i thought you know what I should take advantage of this. This is something I obviously have a lot of experience with. I should try to sort of build on that and try to establish my own sort of stake in this whole thing. So since then, I've been taking a lot of uh, web development stuff. And like right now, I'm actually taking courses on audio production and on writing and producing for electronic media. So I'm doing a lot of that. That is awesome. Yeah, I'm actually writing a uh, short film right now for the electronic media course. So we're probably going to end up filming that within the next week. But this is some, it's something that I very much found myself sort of sticking into after trying so many different routes. And since then, I've d- gone on to do a lot of uh, internships doing like web development stuff for different small companies around uh, near where I live. So... 
it's worked out very well for me so far, and I hope to sort of take that to the next step in the near future. That is awesome. I, I mean, I wish my story would be, you know, as you know, good as those two, but it, it's honestly not. I've said it a couple times. When I was in high school, gosh, I can't even, I mean, back when I was, like, you know, taking uh, you know, aptitude tests in eighth grade, like, that was ridiculously, you know, smart and, you know, top of my class and all that stuff, you know, in, you know, beginning of high school and all that. But then I just kind of, like, I guess, maybe I just got dumber over time because I'm still, like, smart, but not, like, to that level. I, I honestly yeah, don't know what it is. Too. So it's just, like, I'm going to be a lawyer. I'm going to – I never had the thought of doctor. Um, I, I, you know, Panda, all all the credit to Panda to, yeah, to my pursue a doctor. Well. But like that's just it's not not really me and but you know I got a passion you know in high school for sound recording and music and you know it was never really like the the music performance I know like, you can't really make a living in music performance um, but you know I I knew that like I could do you know sound recording and that would be like so enjoyable and you know but the thing is like there's not really like a college sort of thing that you can take for that so. When I saw that University of Michigan had a sound engineering program, I, I didn't know like how competitive it was. You had to audition all that. I did get an audition, and so I was like close. But when you have like five people accepted per year, and that's like undergraduates, graduates, and all that, you know, freshmen included, like you're not going to have a very difficult time to actually get into that program. So when I went into school, I probably said it before. You know, I started in electrical engineering. And I hoped that, you know, I could eventually transfer into sound engineering. I dual enrolled into engineering and music, didn't get into music, got into engineering. So that's when I started in electrical engineering because a lot of them were similar classes. And I thought, you know, I could carry it over eventually. Oh, my goodness. Electrical engineering, all the power to people who actually stick through engineering. I could not do it. I was great in math and science in high school. And when it got to a certain level, I just could not stick with it and that's when you know I, I just wanted to be creative and that's kind of what the sound engineering was all about you would help people be creative so when I saw there was you know film courses and a film major jumped at it wholeheartedly and you know I, I had to you know graduate in four years it was always the idea that like I had to do five years but when you know money situation with family and all that like I had to do four years so I always had to take classes over the summer I haven't had an internship in the field and it's really biting me in the ass right now with jobs because I have to look for really internships instead of jobs unless I have connections which I don't have and now I'm just rambling about all my job problems and that's that's embarrassing but um no that's how close was I when I you know when I started I think that I could still eventually do a you know I really like to pursue post production um, you know, editing and all that, and also TV. I really like TV. I'm not one of those people who went into film school thinking like I'm going to be a director. Um, that's that's really not what I I like being around computers and show me news. I think helps with web media. That's why I think so I'm like what you're doing is really cool with you know writing and all that for electronic media. That is something that I could definitely see myself doing as well. I can do a lot of things. It's just what will people give me the opportunity to do? So. How close was I? You're gonna to work for my game company once I start making money, dude. Hire me, Plox. <laughs> <laughs> so 
Seriously, you're first on the list. I just, uh, you know that 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 green stuff. That, yeah, yeah, I don't have any. yeah. Well, yeah, tell you what, we'll all up. get to, we'll all get together. We'll like rent out a cabin out in Montana or something. We'll all like live there, and I'll do web development. You build the games, Yoko. You can like contribute your smexy voice and do go. stuff for the website. Right. I, I mean. Anything is really possible. It's just I I need a chance. I need an internship starting, and yeah. that's that's really the rough part when you live in a state like Michigan. Yeah. Don't remind me. Oh my goodness. Um, but yeah, I'd I'd say it's close, but it's certainly not like I'm stuck with a lawyer or a doctor and then became a film student. People still ask like, why did I become a film student? You could have been engineering. You could have made so much money, and it's like, but happiness. Yeah, you you don't want to listen to the people that say that kind of stuff. Like, sure, yeah, doctors get paid the most, but you know, if you you want a job that's going to make you happy, I mean, that's why I'm doing what I'm doing. I mean, game jobs are the most like competitive and most aggressive in inside the tech industry, and yet I'm not I'm not going to back down and go write what I consider boring applications for businesses. <laughs> right. Yeah, too many like, people you know, will like go for set their uh, dream jobs like Plan A, but then start working towards uh, Plan B fallback job, and then sooner or later Plan B eventually becomes Plan A, and you end up yeah. putting the thing you really want to do on the back burner, and it yeah. just happens too much too often, and it's sort of sad, you know. It, it's kind of a classic question. It's like, would you rather make 40k a year and love your job, or make 80k a year and be eh, okay with your job? You know, mm-hmm. yeah. It's it's yeah. You can make more money, and money, I guess, you could argue, makes you happier. But you know, I'd rather be on. I want to wake up every day and be like, yes, I gotta go to work, kind of thing. Yeah. As, as much as you can love work, anyway. Right, right. <laughs> so, Alan of Awesome, don't worry about if you know if things will work out. I mean, you may have. Well, I'm going to say, like, hopefully in a few years, you know, the job market will be back up. But you'll find something that will make you happy. And if you're starting high school, I wouldn't worry about that. Just enjoy high school and college and, you know, work hard to to do well. I wanted to ask you guys a really quick question. It's not really game-related, but tomorrow starts the big release week, um, you know, debuts of new season premieres for TV shows. So I wanted to ask each of right. you what are your different TV shows that you're looking forward to having their seasons or even just, you know, brand new debuts. Uh Buzz. I'll give you two guesses. You know you like House. That's the first one. That That's is the, tomorrow. That is the first one. Um what is the other one that you like? I'll give you a hint, it already started. It already started, really. Survivor. Oh yeah. Of course, of course, of course it's Survivor. Those those are my shows. I watch House and Survivor. I did watch Heroes when it was around, but it got canceled. So <laughs> no, yeah, more, no I, more Heroes. I watched it. Too. I watched it too. It, it was good for the first one or two seasons, and then it just yeah. really dropped it off. Tanked. It tanked. Now, so, but yeah, those are my shows. House MD. Um, speaking of which, I just barely obtained all of them on DVD. So I have seasons one through six on disc, and we watch those like all the time. Nice. So I'm excited for the new season. And then, yeah, Survivor. Ever since Ken got on the show, I've just loved the show to death, all of it. And I went back and watched all seasons. I'm a Survivor fan now, so I've been watching that. Cyberlink, what about you? Um, Let's see. I mean, most of the time I'm watching stuff like online now and 
now Red versus Blue's new season just ended, so that gets rid of everything I watch on Mondays. So, uh, you know, honestly, I don't watch... And then Monster, which was the other TV show I watched a lot, just ended as well. So that's one more thing off my list. I, I just don't watch enough stuff anymore. Like Now I'm at the point where most of my creative energy is just focused entirely on like stuff like Sonic F or like any of the projects I'm working on for my audio and video classes. So mm-hmm. I'd rather be out there filming stuff and recording stuff than watching TV that I really have no interest in. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I forgot about off season. Yeah. Two. Office is good. Oh, I got to ask 30 right. comes back. I got to ask you what you think about, you know, this is Steve Carell's last season on the office. Do you think it should go, past this season no i agree no and and more reason more reasons than just steve Carell leaving it's just it's time for it to end mm-hmm. they've kind of milked all the possibilities it's it's funny occasionally but you know jim and pam are married and i really don't care what happens to anyone else aaron and andy it, I, I could care less it's it's still a funny show to have like i would like to have it someday so i just have it all because there's a lot of funny stuff in there mm-hmm. but i think they've run their course I think yeah, just know. get Creed to set the office on fire and end it there. Yeah, Ricky Gervais <laughs> should set the office on fire. It was my show, <laughs> mine. Yes. Um, yeah, but not. Nah, it's done. Yeah, I, I would. I definitely agree there. Um, so yeah, my shows because I'm the TV person. Ha ha ha. Um, <laughs> tomorrow I am very excited for How I Met Your Mother, for Chuck. Because Chuck's coming back for a fourth season, which I was a little surprised that that happened at the end. I of still need to catch up on the year. first three. Yeah, Chuck, Chuck is worth it. It's kind of surprisingly high production values, but that's why they have like a lot of sponsorships from Subway, etc. Um, Big Bang Theory was moved to Thursday, and I'm excited for that. Um, Castle is on Mondays. Castle is pretty awesome. So yeah, it's it's Big Bang Theory, Chuck, and uh, Castle on Mondays, and then honestly. Nothing really on Tuesdays and Wednesdays, and then Thursdays it's The Office, Thirty Rock, and Big Bang Theory, and those are my main shows. Yeah, I need to. I definitely need to watch Thirty Rock because that's probably my favorite show on TV right now. Hmm. Um. So yeah. Oh, we're getting a link here for Sarabi. Um, apparently, according to this link that Darkrai is posting, the Cerebi receives the email with a cease and desist order from black and white coverage. Too bad it's a troll email from 2chan and Cerebi has no idea. Um, yeah, I mean, we had, we had to at least mention it, but if it is indeed a troll, GG, because it would be really, really stupid if Nintendo actually went that far. And, yeah, I think that really covers the news that we have for this week. Um, anything else that we really need to mention? Uh, go watch Portal 2 trailer. No, nope, nothing else. Go watch Portal 2 trailer. Um, we're going to have a couple cool things coming to the YouTube channel soon. If you've been paying attention to the blog, you know what one of them are. Dun, dun, also, dun. everybody who yeah. is... Also, everybody... Buddy, fly out to Detroit so you can come to our panel. Seriously, you, you have no excuse. You get to meet. You get to meet us, and if yes. we can get money for Buzz, you can meet him too. <laughs> I can even try to see if I can get Panda. That would be fantastic. Because he goes to Wayne State University. 
maybe he'll have you know exams around then but that's downtown detroit that's right right there so we'll see if we can get him to to come out for for one of the nights maybe the thursday the free night but yeah otherwise um with that i am yoko and i'm the buzz oh my goodness with zubats and i am cyberling the zubat hunter <laughs> and yar we be out mateys Aye. It's your turn. This week's It's Your Turn comes to the toboggan, centers around Disney's epic Mickey. What's you think about this heralded Nintendo Wii title from E3 now that's confirmed to launch on November 30th? Listen and find out. A mischievous mouse sleeps in peace, but is suddenly awoken by a strange noise. A copy of Lewis Carroll's Through the Looking Glass falls off his chest as he gets up to investigate. Following in the footsteps of Alice herself, our hero jumps through his own mirror and finds himself in a new house, the home of a sorcerer. This sorcerer is hard at work using a magical paintbrush to add color to a model on his table. A voice narrating the scene explains that this model is actually an entirely new world, meant for the forgotten and the unloved. He leaves the room, his work finished, and our hero slips up to the table. Picking up the sorcerer's paintbrush, our hero proves his vanity he attempts to use the paint to make a model of himself, but it ends in disaster. The model comes to life in the form of a terrifying and demonic monster. In a panic, our hero dumps a cup of erasing thinner onto the monster, fleeing back through the mirror as the monster absorbs itself into the world, and years pass. The monster suddenly returns, pulling our hero back through the mirror and into the model world having just enough time to grab the magic brush before it all goes as black as the blot himself. The game I'm describing, as you've no doubt guessed, is Disney and Junction Point's Epic Mickey, and our hero is none other than the good old Mickey Mouse himself. Emphasis on old. That's right, this Mickey isn't the playhouse running happy-go-lucky little kids Mickey that we see today. No, no, no. This is old-school, mischievous, kind of a jerk, as Walt Disney created him Mickey Mouse. You know, the cool one. About a step up from the key-swinging king we've come to love. So what exactly is Epic Mickey? How does it play, what's its story, and what's its point? I'm the Debaga, and I'm here to answer these questions. Epic Mickey is the first and latest project of the studio Junction Point, and it's being led by the experienced Warren Spector. In this game, you play as the cartoon equivalent of Mario and use the power of paint and thinner. Both have opposite but equally useful properties. Paint creates and changes. Spraying it on certain areas will create buildings, bridges, platforms, etc. Spraying paint on enemies will sometimes turn them into allies for some reason. But if you're like me, you think creation is boring. Don't worry, our destructive habits are given life in the form of thinner. Thinner erases the environment and actually kills your enemies. It even looks like acid, making it all the more awesome. This opens up a lot of possibilities, including the game's biggest selling point, having two solutions to every problem. You could paint a staircase to get to a key on top of a cliff, or you could just thin out the door and walk through it. You could go to the trouble of retrieving a treasure for someone, or you could steal the prize being offered by force. In some ways, you could say this has the potential to take away the challenge of the game. Not so. 
Overusing thinner will transform you into a smudged and darker colored scrapper Mickey, and you'll find you have a harder time making friends and allies. Taking the more complicated routes will lean you towards taking the opposite form, Hero Mickey. In other words, the way you play affects your ability to interact with the game world, known as the Wasteland. The Wasteland is a world created for the forgotten Disney characters of old. But all is not well in the Wasteland as a war has broken out. Turns out that, thanks to Mickey's accident years ago, a monster known as the Phantom Blot was created. The Blot entered the Wasteland and began a war with its resident hero, Oswald the Lucky Rabbit, also Mickey's older half-brother. The war eventually drives Oswald into hiding, angry that he's been defeated and jealous that while he's doing this, Mickey's out there getting famous. So we enter the time of the game. Our goal is clear. We need to earn Oswald's trust as we'll need it if we wish to defeat the Phantom Blot and end the Blot Wars. So why am I so excited for this game? Well, this game doesn't just look fantastic but it also serves as a celebration of Walt Disney's achievements. Say what you will about Disney, but this man revolutionized animated entertainment. Nobody thought a feature-length cartoon was possible, or that anybody would want to sit through one, until he put out Snow White, and it was a hit. Picture the possibilities! A twisted, blotified wonderland, a return to video games by the evil Maleficent, a new image of Mickey Mouse, which is, ironically, just his old image, but oh well, this is Walt Disney we're talking about. The possibilities are infinite. So yes, for any Disney fan, this is a must-buy. I can tell you that right now. Even non-Disney fans should check this out. That's all I really have to say. For now. Expect another one of these when the game actually comes out. Mark my words. Thank you, Yoko, for picking my It's Your Turn for this episode. Also, thank you, Buzz, for just being awesome. Also, if uh, you guys ever need a guest for an episode, I would be happy to come on again. So for this week's Easter egg, you know, we kind of bridged away from Yoko Make last episode, mostly because I didn't know what to talk about. But then Tony TH gave us an idea that with Cyberlink on the show this time around and with our big news that we had to announce for uh, Yomacon, we thought we'd, you know, share some stories about our experiences at the convention. And, you know, mine are, are, are meager because, you know, I've, I only went there last year. How many years have you gone to the convention? Uh, just last year and the year before, so okay. I'm only a little bit more of a veteran than you. And, and you know, it's been around for for several years now, and it's you know getting bigger and bigger each year. Uh, last year it was only what like walking distance away from your school. Yeah, last year and the year before, and now they're moving over. So to the uh, Detroit Renaissance Center, and you know they have you more. Know, it's good for them. They're moving on up. They're getting bigger space. and To the east side, they got a bigger piece of the pie. 
the moving yep. on up. Okay, yeah. so um, they still have more guests to announce, but they currently have, uh, according to their website, the Spoonie Bards, who are a casual music group, uh, Brad Swale, Todd Haberkorn, who are both uh, you know professional voice actors, and Little Karibo and Team Four Star. Um, also, Vic Mignogna and Lemon Demon. That's true. Why aren't the? I totally forgot about that, but they aren't. They're on, on the, the uh, actual guest page. Uh, they say the they say newest guests here. I gotcha. And uh, inside scoop for all the people listening, uh, expect probably sometime this week for Patrick Seitz, voice actor of Ragna and Blaze Blue, Frankie in One Piece, and Dracula in Castlevania, to be added to that list. And Ishin in uh, Bleach. Yes, Ishin in Bleach as well. Um, now, are there are there more announcements coming along with just him, according to your inside source? Uh. I believe there are more coming after that, but I honestly wouldn't know who they are. So I just know sort of who they were trying to get. I don't know if any of that came through in the end or whatever. See, because I would say compared to last year, last year was an amazing guest list. Yes. It was simply something we had. You had Little Creed, but you had Team Four Star with their first, you know, anime convention appearance in the United States. Or, you know, a little creep for a little creepo at least. They had nostalgia critic Angry Joe Linkara, um, you know, voice actors Laura Bailey. Um, uh, it was Laura this, Bailey, Travis, Travis Wilhelm, Wayne Grayson, uh, Kyle Lebear, Caitlin Glass. Glass. You're right. Um, Michael Center Nicholas. It, it was astounding, really, and so it, it feels like they're a little bit lacking this year. Hopefully, they have more guests. Um, some of the the more notable uh, the Little Karibo panel last year was one of the tops for me. Um, uh, let's see. Uh, just like the different photo opportunities and to get to meet some of the different people through interview sessions was amazing. Yeah. Um, anime radio is always a. Uh, oh, yeah, that's that always do. fantastic. Basically, explain what, the, what anime radio is. Anime radio is a panel that Kyle Bear does at a lot of his cons where he will basically bring in an old school radio script like from the 50s and he'll give it to uh the uh, actors they haven't seen this before or anything and he'll have them basically do a dramatic reading of the script dropping in improv where necessary while he's basically running a sound booth adding in sound effects music all that good stuff and it is always an absolute laugh riot no questions asked mm-hmm. um but yeah they have you know even they have uh, the maid cafe for those who get to pay for Platinum status, you have uh, you know, platinum lines for... Well, platinum gets in first, but I think that you can actually get into the Maid Cafe like an hour or two after the Platinum. Yeah, that's true, but you know, part of the whole thing with uh, the Maid Cafe for Platinum is that it's when the, uh, the guests will actually be around. So Right, that's the one time you can guarantee yourself an autograph. Now, you, and, uh, you do get I've Platinum, right? Yeah, I did get platinum, and I actually have sort of a funny story from uh, the Maid Cafe two years ago. Okay. Me and a couple buddies had uh, we'd gotten our platinum passes, and we ended up going to the Maid Cafe, and uh, we're you know we're sitting there talking with some of the other guys we saw, and who walks up to our table but Caitlin Glass, and she is dressed as uh, her character Haruhi from uh, Oran High School Host Club, hmm. and uh, so we're saying hi, talking to her, and. Uh, He's, and my friend is like, and so who are you dressed up as? She's like, oh, uh, I'm Har- I'm uh, Haruhi from Oran. And he's like, oh, really? I'm not really crazy about that show. And he, she's like, 
Well, you've certainly got balls to say that to the star and ADR director of that show. <laughs> and, <it's> like, <laughs> and it was sort of a priceless moment. Just that look of realization. He's like, oh, it's nothing against you. It's just not my kind of show, you know. Mm-hmm. But we were all laughing, so it's all good. That's awesome. Um, and, of course, like the, the cosplay is you know what makes really any... Uh, Those Team Rocket cosplayers. Oh my goodness! My gosh! During the uh, the Pokemon panel that they had last year, they call like, "So you want to be a master?" And you know, halfway through the convention, like they're asking all these Pokemon trivia questions or whatever, and out of nowhere, you you see these these people starting to crawl on the ground. They've got little uh, branches and leaves over their heads, and they're you know crawling on all fours, and we just burst out laughing because it is it is an amazing uh, Team Rocket cosplay with Jesse and James. I wouldn't say is. It was as good as I don't know if you saw there was a, a news bit on Kotaku of you know actual professional cosplayers yeah, I who saw did that. Oh, that was that was astounding. But you know, given the circumstances, these were great Jesse and James cosplays. Unfortunately, no Meowth. Yeah, and yet they, that's the one. That's the one thing I would dock them points on. But yeah, they they it was you know just again like priceless and what they had a a big uh, Half Life Two group that went last year. That was amazing. Team Fortress characters everywhere. Yeah, yeah. Um, there was a surprising number of Brawl characters, too, last year. Yeah, that's right. Uh, they had, a, like, a Meta Knight, a Zelda. Of course, you're going to have your Mario's, Luigi's, Peaches. Um, Ike, I think, I saw. Yeah, I think there was an Ike. Yeah. I mean, it's just all over the place. And, of course, we're going to be doing some uh, some Ace Attorney stuff, as we mentioned earlier. Yep. Um anything else from you know the the guests just know how to put on great panels and it it must just be you know the practice cuz they they really do an amazing job um it seems that this year you know if if we got a panel at Yomacon i think pretty much everyone who asked uh got accepted we just were asked we uh we put in our that's application a little bit later than yep, we, were, we were a little late so that's why we get the uh the free day at night Apparently the other option was uh, like 9 a.m. on a on the Sunday, and where that, we wouldn't get anybody there, and we would have to wake up early. So it it just would not have worked. Um, do you have any other stories though? I mean, it's just just fun really to to meet people. It was it was awesome to, to hang out with you last year, and you, you yeah. got some. You always get some great footage. I don't know how you do it. I would not be able to like go up to the guests and be able to, you know, hey hey plug this show. Get all, yeah, the all reason sh- I get great footage is because I never turn the camera off. Mm. I like, see. I, my p- camera battery usually only lasts like maybe two hours at best. So even while I'm carrying that camera around, I've got like I'm scoping out where all the plug outlets are in the room so that if I'm running low on battery, I can just dash over there, plug it in, and still be able to get footage while I'm doing that. Mm-hmm. It, it's always been, honestly, like when we went to Yomacon and you got all those, we were still in like the the downtime between yeah, the uh, post MLG uh, drop. We'll post the video podcasts actually. Oh yeah, and, post video. Yeah. And I, I honestly think like I think it was those clips that like really got me motivated to to start showing me news up again. And I, I haven't really like said that anywhere, but like that that kind of effort like meant it meant like a lot to me that someone would do that. And that, like, if, you know, that it could actually turn into something, you know, um, I, I'm, I've been really thankful for those, those, uh, 
audio clips. And I, I think with, you know, this year with this big Show Me News meetup, I, I think that, you know, not only we can have, like, an amazing time with, you know, all, all the podcast fans on the uh, the special episode we're going to be doing, you know, from the hotel rooms. We're going to be gaming with each other and, you know, doing a lot of stuff for the fans. I think that's really the the key because you know we do we do like if i went to like to e3 and if i didn't do all the the tweeting that i did there it wouldn't mean as much I and mean, we always try to to please the fans and so even if we do you know go out to some event that you know if you can't make it out to uh there we we try to do whatever we can to to make it enjoyable for you as well like you were there yeah, so, absolutely so do you have any and other I do know that i'm going to be recording as much of the uh Yomacon experience as I possibly can. Maybe we'll try to like, I'll I can like put the uh, footage up on Dropbox or something, and you and I can put together like a video. Yeah, I'm and sure we could do know, something like that. I know that inevitably we're going to end up playing games into the wee hours of the night, so we'll probably try to get some footage of that as well, just for everybody to watch. There you go. We'll have to bring along our uh, portable gaming recording device and all that. But um, that's only like a tidbit of the Omicon experience and um, you know if you ever decide to make it out to an anime convention whether or not we're there it's an experience that I would absolutely recommend I wholeheartedly agree alright so that's the Yokomake for this week enjoy